Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesota accents. Oh yeah, sure you bet. Oh yeah, <laughs> and um, we have an incredibly special guest for this episode. Senator Kirsten Cinema of Arizona. Welcome. Ever heard of her? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to pretend. it's it's amazing i'm just i'm still pretty blown away that you agreed to be on the show thank you so much for tanking your political career to be with us today please (laughs) let the listeners know that we did not threaten you to get you here (laughs) no no and and it's not going to take my political career because i'm just going to deny anything that you guys say that i'll just be like no it's for trump Works for Trump. It'll Didn't work for hear you. it. I love it. Oh, this is amazing. The senator has agreed to be with us today for this very special bonus episode. Uh, we, you know, in these uncertain times, these unprecedented <laughs> we, times. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're all in this together. I and got one of those emails from a water park I went to in 2007 one time. <laughs> yeah. Well. You have a friend. And these you do not walk alone in the sand. We know you're concerned about whether or not Sea Breeze will be open <laughs> in upstate New York this summer. Okay, but do they have water parks in Minnesota? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's oh, one. Oh, yeah. So like, you can only use them like in the month of July, though. Because it's yeah, cold. yeah. They're a horrible waste of money, but we you know, do have like a some good that are indoors. Seventy days mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so sad. And then they become a luge from August <laughs> until April. It's yeah. Great. <laughs> There's an indoor water park across from the Don't um, the of America. Don't uh, go there. Don't go there. Why wouldn't yeah. they make the parking lot of America to go with the mile of America? <laughs> I'm so I'm disgusted by like germs in these times anyway, but like. Even before COVID came along, indoor yeah. water parks are disgusting. Oh, oh, it's love, Chuck E. Cheese with urine. Park. I love it a water park. Chuck E. No. Cheese with indoor, flowing urine. Outdoor, in a mall, near a mall, nowhere near a mall. I love a water park. You're already radioactive, though, yeah. so it like doesn't affect you. We That's don't fine. even have indoor water parks in Arizona because it is... Glorious every day. You here. don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. in the summer it gets too hot. The water park capital <laughs> of America is the Wisconsin Dells. Mm-hmm. That's true. Most of those yeah. are indoors. Where I OD'd on cheese curds and still to this day cannot eat them. <laughs> All over the parking lot. That's rough. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So the topic <laughs> of this special of this special episode, which may be a two-parter because we are not going to hold back, is pandemic problems. Mm-hmm. Ninety-nine mm-hmm. problems, and COVID is all of them. Is ninety-eight yeah. of yeah. them? Yeah. <laughs> the last one is just you know continuous heartburn, which I had before this started. So it's true. Yeah. You know. So this week's uh, episode is 
a gal's pick, but it was sponsored by a fan, Anna Ludlow, who wants to shout out uh, folks who are making homemade masks. Yay! I just got my sewing machine. I made like 10 Mm -hmm. this morning. Yep. You know how to sew? I'm, I taught myself. Apparently, sewing squares and attaching ribbon is pretty low maintenance. Still more than I <laughs> can not, do. I'm not like making a ball gown for my cat, which may <laughs> change in a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For not her quinceanera. I'm, for my cat's quinceanera. I'm not quite that well trained <laughs> yet, but that's the goal for the end of quarantine. Oh is to have matching outfits made out of curtains for me, my partner, my rabbit, my dog, my cat, yeah. and maybe my fish. Gone with I the wind, that shit. I would like to see a photo of that. So I can show it to all of my friends and we can laugh at you. That's what I would like Done. to do. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. make this happen. Okay. So Anna wants to shed some light on a cool website where you can search a directory for organizations in your area that need PPE donations. So check out deaconess.com and search mask in the toolbar to find it. Cool. Uh, that is spelled, and you guys know I'm not great at spelling out websites, D E A. C-O-N-E-S-S dot com. Nailed it. You You did it. Yeah. Uh, So donate some PPE, learn how to sew masks, and then work your way up to cat quinceanera Uh, ball gowns. I feel so. My Mm -hmm. aunt is a nurse practitioner and her husband is a doctor and they literally work in like a heart and lung clinic. And she texted me yesterday being like, are you still making masks? Because we are completely out. And I'm like, yes, Quinn. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. It's, it's bonkers. So their their own practitioners are like, we need masks that we can wash and reuse because we're running out of the like single use ones so fast. Mm-hmm. We can't yeah. we can't keep them in stock. Well, and you guys know that folks are not using the single use ones one time anymore. That no. hosp- at hospitals, um, nurses and doctors are taking their N95 masks and putting them in paper bags mm-hmm. and then using them like four times or until they fall apart. And those, they're intended for single use, but they're having to use them over and over again because we have such a shortage of PPE in our country. It's messed up. It's, it is. It's just shocking and disgusting, and we mm-hmm. will dig into it because we will we will rant and rave about it just (laughs) like yeah god damn it welcome to our show but first a little lubrication Mm. i think is definitely necessary for this episode so amanda what is our wine crime pairing for pandemic problems well i would like to welcome everyone to quote what i had in my fridge cocktail hour (laughs) And today, on what year is it day of quarantine, I am drinking vodka that I found in the trunk of my car while cleaning. It's a small New Amsterdam vodka bottle that I'm 99% sure was Lucy's from her last visit. Oh my God, I was wondering where that went. Into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> the senator is disgusted. We were drinking before the new the American Authors concert. Correct. Last time I was there. <laughs> little little tailgate. Um with tonic, uh, since I always have that shit on hand, and a slice of what is absolutely a too old grapefruit. <laughs> but it did not have mold on it, so here we are. Um nice. normally I would be drinking wine, but since I am rationing my wine exclusively for upcoming episode pairings and waiting for a wink shipment. This is what I have been reduced to. (laughs) It's actually quite delicious. I'm going to be real with you. So I want to know what everybody else is drinking. 
I decided to, in the senator's honor, I decided to break out my very last bottle of wine, which happens to be a bottle of not great champagne, but here we are. It's what I had. Mm. Because South Africa is has banned all alcohol sales what? during the lockdown. What? Yeah. yeah. Why? Uh-huh. I feel like that is counterproductive. It's, quote unquote, it's not essential. Yep. No, but it is very essential. Right? Yeah, like, we agree. It is extremely essential. You so also can't this, buy cigarettes there. I just don't understand. That I'm okay. going out to buy food anyway. Right. They they block off aisles of like aisles of merchandise that is in the stores. They mm. they block off. I, I couldn't buy nail polish here, the other day. There'd be murder at every Target in the tri-state area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so different here. Because in Arizona, well, it's Arizona, so we didn't have a ton of rules to begin with. But during our mm-hmm. stay-at-home order, uh, restaurants are allowed to sell alcohol to go now. And I actually yeah. think yeah. that that should stay forever. It's I wonderful. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. It just passed in Minnesota as well. Thank God. Yeah, we should keep it forever. Mm -hmm. It's a really good law. That is what you're here for. Mm -hmm. But um, (laughs) yeah, so this is literally my last bottle of wine. And I decided that this was the perfect time to drink the entire thing. So I've already had one glass. But now I'm going to have a little bit more of this champagne. That is very generous. So, I would not um, open my last bottle of bubbles for you. No. Um, oh. <laughs> I wouldn't either. But here we are. I mean, that makes sense. I'm not a sitting senator. So mm. that makes perfect sense. Okay, fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> so cheers. <laughs> Lucy, what are you drinking? I'm drinking room temperature water because I didn't have time to go grab my wine between mm-hmm. recording ads and starting this interview. Love well, can't it. you go just go quick. get it real quick while I'm talking about yeah. the wine I'm drinking? Yeah, yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twist my arm. Okay. Time. <laughs> um, put, put Ray on your desk and just let him yell into the yeah, mic while you're fine. Yeah. Um, I am drinking um, a bottle of The Prisoner, which is... Yes, um, we love that wine. I'm a member of the club, and I know that you have highlighted um, one of their wines. I think it was their Chardonnay a couple of years mm-hmm. ago in one of the episodes mm-hmm. because I heard it, and I was so excited that you were drinking... Um, one of their wines. And I remember it's you guys so complained about how expensive it was. And I <laughs> cracked up at that. That was in well, earlier times when we still had to buy Quain. our own wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, but I don't, I don't really, I don't drink white. I don't enjoy white. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of the actual prisoner. Although I yeah. do like Thorn, which is their, they've got some other red blends and Merlots that I really like a lot, but my favorite is the prisoner. It's I've such a good wine. I've been trying to orchestrate a gin for red wine bartering swap mm. with someone because I have approximately eight bottles of gin mm-hmm. at home, but I just haven't been feeling gin lately and I really, really am craving red wine. So I wish that. I could help you out. Yeah. There's got to be some kind of like neighborhood, like internet place where people like complain about their neighbors or something. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. It's, it would technically be against the rules because you're not even supposed to have alcohol in the trunk of your car. Like, well, they're incredibly strict here. I'm 
barely surviving. My barely mental alive. health is clinging by a thread, mm. but it's all good. It's fine. Fine. On that note, I retrieved my wine. Oh, yes. What did what you get? You and it's a brand new bottle of Joel Got Sauvignon Blanc, a 2018, mm. and it's a cracker. If we'd like oh. to uh, oh, do have it. a little bit of sound effect, are we ready? Yes, yes. Do please, it. please, please, please. Yeah. Senator, you know what to do. Mm. Oh, nice. Oh, nice crack. Nice crack. This is so good. Cheers, everybody. And Cheers. thank you again for joining us. My and, cocktail uh, would be so much prettier if my old grapefruit slice didn't look so questionable. <laughs> I'm taking a picture of it. To did send you this smell chat. it before you put it into your glass? Just yeah, to sh- I did a little smell, a little taste. Okay, she, fine. She All frequents right. indoor water parks. Yeah. She'll be fine. Like, this is <laughs> going to scare just, me away. Now is not the time to have, a like, an emergency. Food. Because yeah, yeah, food, fine. Right? This I can treat at home. She's I can right. treat She's this right. at home. <laughs> the impending <laughs> diarrhea from this grapefruit, I can treat at home. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh my God. <laughs> well, right. I think Kenyon's got a couple questions for our special Ooh. guest here. I certainly do. So we base a little backstory Very recently, we were, I think I was on Instagram, Mm -hmm. and I saw a comment from the senator and realized, like, you, you're a patron, right? You're a Patreon supporter. Yeah. God bless you. So mm-hmm. are all of my girlfriends, like all of us. Oh. There's a whole group of and us. You're a gateway gal. She has bought so much of our merch in the I past. Have. Like honestly, <laughs> half of our income merch is from her. Mm-hmm. And I had you always invested I, in a bunch of the stay the fuck home merchandise, didn't you? I did. Yeah. And in fact, my, um, my partner has, we, when we bought the shirts, we don't, it's Arizona. So you don't really wear shirts with sleeves because you're going right. to die of heat. So right. instead, um, we, she just cut off the arms to make them like oh. muscle tanks and then, <gasps> and then bedazzled them with a bedazzler <gasps> to add bling Please to them. Please send a picture. I will. Okay, I will. In fact, I'll send a picture incredible. of the whole squad. There's five of us girls. I'll send a picture of the whole squad socially distancing. Um, yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Dreams come true. Yeah. So here's the thing. I actually learned about your podcast from my girlfriend because she's a big like true crime um, mystery book kind of aficionado. And she also listens to podcasts, which I had never listened to in my life. And then Mm -hmm. one day she was talking about your podcast and I thought she was going to wet herself because she was laughing (laughs) so hard. (laughs) And so that's how I started listening. And um, I, I listen when I fly back and forth to Washington, D.C. And I love that's that. That's amazing. Yeah, sometimes so I listen at night when I'm um, drinking wine and sitting in my Norma Tech recovery boots. Um, mm. And then I text my friends about um, the funny things you say. So we actually have a WhatsApp thread where we just text quotes from Wine and Cry. <gasps> Honestly, yeah. we are so inspiring. So, like, you're welcome. <laughs> this is like the highlight of my life. I'm like, I'm. This is not real. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I when we saw your name on Patreon, I assumed it was just like a name doppelganger. A like, box. I literally assumed I was no. I like assumed that that was like, oh, funny, like. That's the name of a senator. It's funny that like two people have that name. Like I it, like it didn't even like occur to me. I don't know. 
It's just too cool. I, I love it. Because well, we've chatted on Instagram a couple times. I'm a big Insta <laughs> fan. I, I don't know about you guys, but during this pandemic, one of my favorite things to do is to go on Instagram and watch videos of people making food. I find it oh, very yeah. soothing oh. and also magical mm-hmm. because I'm not a great cook. And I'm like, yep. that's what I do. I watch videos of food. I've been watching a lot of hairdresser reaction videos oh, of hairdressers God. watching people doing their hair at home. My mm. best friend who lives in Fort Worth, Texas, cut her own bangs and it looks no, so bad. Honey, no. Yeah, I did that today. I cut my own bangs. Why? I mean, I, I, well, I kind Kenyon of already anyway. did it. Yeah. But I was also like a little bit distracted. Like normally I'm pretty good at it. Gonna say, gonna put it out there. But today I was like a little bit distracted. And so the left side is like flawless Mm. and the right side looks like I cut my own bangs. Yay. You know that you now have to put a photo on Instagram so that everyone can see how you've ruined your whole face. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Please. I'm adding, I just wrote it down on my to-do list. Done. And then I'm going to tag my best friend, Sonia, and be like, you're not the (laughs) only one. No, you're not. Don't do it. Sonia, just say, walk away. (laughs) Oh, my God. I say Um, do it. The world is dying. Who cares? Who fucking cares? Do not cut your own bangs. This is a PSA. (laughs) Do not cut your own bangs. Cut your bangs. Text your crush. Everything (laughs) is done. (laughs) Text your ex. Cut your bangs. These are bad ideas. America, if you're listening, this is a bad idea. These are bad ideas. <laughs> um, okay, we've got a few softball warm up questions for you. Are you ready, Senator? Yeah, but also everyone calls me Kirsten. Mm, no, nope, you're not going to steal this moment from She's me. Oh, too big I'm of too a nerd excited. to call oh. you by your real name. Okay. We yeah. will call you Kirsten because you are still a human person yeah. with a yeah. name. No. Also, when we're walking in the hallways or when I'm at work and I hear Senator, I don't really turn around because I assume they're talking about someone much older than me. Um, <laughs> so everyone calls me Kirsten. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Like our, I'm too excited. one of our favorite American girl dolls. How anyway. about if Kenyon yes. continues to call you Senator, you can call Kenyon podcaster. <laughs> and we drink I every like time that. Kenyon calls you Senator. Okay, that's really funny. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I okay. like that. Okay. Fair, fair. So this next sentence has the word Senator in it, but it's not your title. So, okay. okay. <laughs> Who is your least favorite Senator, dead or alive? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. We're not kidding and feel free to answer. You're not supposed to answer that question because you're supposed to like everyone equally, right? Like a mom and her kids and stuff like that. Um, So 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 who is your least favorite kid? um, (laughs) I I will say this. Since we're talking about pandemic problems, um, I am known for being someone who gets along with everyone. I mean, I literally get along with everyone and Mm -hmm. I work really well with people on both sides of the aisle. But I will say, um, and I tweeted this, I was really mad when Senator Rand Paul um, continued to go to work for more than five days after getting tested for the coronavirus. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Yeah, went Literally, to the gym. what the fuck was that? For the first time in my career, I tweeted about it because I was yes. so upset. Um, he, the morning of his um, test results coming back, it, it was on a Sunday. We had all just flown in to do votes. I had taken a red eye and, you know, like with a mask and gloves and like Clorox down the whole aisle. And, yep. you know, people mm-hmm. probably thought I was a weirdo, but I don't have the virus. Um, 
So it's Sunday morning and I hear that, you know, I see the news that he had tested positive and he had gone swimming in the Senate pool that morning. Oh my yeah. God. And they're only the Senate that. water park. The Senate water park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are only like two senators who swim in the Senate pool and one is me and the other is, is Rand Paul. Is no. there a log flume? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm moving to Kentucky soon, so I apologize well, oh. on behalf of yeah. Senator Rand Paul because yeah. that shit is bogus. Yeah, I was Not upset okay. about that. And what I was most upset about, well, I hadn't been to the gym in two weeks because I practice, um, you know, good hygiene and was concerned about the coronavirus. But um, what bothered me was it set a bad example for others in the country. Like, totally. If you have, yeah. if you have taken a coronavirus test, you should quarantine until your results yep. come in. That's how it's supposed to go. So, and he's a doctor, sort yes. of. Yes. Is he a doctor yeah. in the way that Dr. Phil is a doctor because no. Oprah just said he was? I think he's or like an ophthalmologist. Dr. Like ben Carson. I think he's like an actual medical doctor. Like he should, he should know better. He should know better. Anyway. Well, we get yes. along except for um, that one thing. I was, I was upset yeah. about that. That's allowed. I get along with my partner except for several one things that happen every <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> Every day, yeah. every hour of every day. Except for this one thing, you're perfect. Are you fighting yeah. more because of the pandemic, because you're home together all the time? Honestly, we're not. It's really bizarre. Like, we've had our tiff, and it's mostly just like, sorry I snapped at you. We've just been in 750 square feet together for a fucking eternity. But we get along. He's like the most relaxed easygoing person ever. I could not imagine being quarantined with anybody else, honestly, other mm-hmm. than just myself. But mm-hmm. I, and your cat. I... And, and well, his cat, his which is now my cat. And my dog cat. and my rabbit. The quinceanera <laughs> cat. I don't feel like it has augmented our relationship, but we are moving into a larger place. We did make that decision pretty quickly and like in a couple weeks, maybe by the time this airs, we'll have already moved, but it's like we're stocking up on our gloves and getting ready to move into more space because even with us getting along, that's, it's not enough. Yeah, it's that's not tight. enough space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Like, have any of you had more, you know, tiffs or issues with your quarantine buddies? Well, my girlfriend and I like each other a lot, so it works out mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> I mean, you'd hope that. <laughs> We've been good. I haven't murdered my husband. We but we also have a two bed, two bath. Mm-hmm. So he like has been shunned to the office from like a typical work day length. That's his room. I think what you meant was he works in his office. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's usually my office. It's a fair but amount now, of shunning. Yeah. Shunning. Yeah. Shunned. <laughs> Shunned. Yeah. My husband, because I live in Iowa and our governor is one of like, what, four that isn't implementing any actual mandates. Hmm. He's still working outside of the house because his job is making him do that. And Mm -hmm. uh, so every time he comes home, I make him change his clothes and like take a shower and everything. And then and then he's home for the day. But the fact that he's got, he's still out of the house from like 10 to 5 every day right. 
So it's you're, kind yeah. of like normal. I right. don't leave the house, which is also not that much different from my regular <laughs> right. life. And we already all yeah. work from home. It's more like now William is working from home. We weren't working from home together, and now we are working from home together. And so we're like, we need more space. That I will say, tough. though, that like this whole quarantine situation has sort of given me the excuse to like, you know, get drunk every night. And then we have like drunken dance parties and we like hang out on the porch and play cards. And yeah, you two things are really just, crushing yeah, it. You are. You are absolutely crushing quarantine. It kind of sounds like yeah. you're living your best life. They I really are kind, kind of, of unfair. <laughs> yeah. I'm upset. It's good. Yeah. So, you know, not to rub it in, but like I'm thriving. Mm. <laughs> All right. Speaking of thriving and loved ones, one more softball question for you. In an unavoidable cannibalism scenario, mm. which of your loved ones would you eat first and why? Well, I'm vegan, so this is very difficult to answer. Oh! Uh, yeah. That would be Do tough. you have a loved cabbage patch in your yard? And I am very <laughs> much against the long pig kind of oh, world. Yeah. That's... Okay. That, I think, grossed me out the most of all of the episodes I've listened to so far. And I was like, oh, that's really, this is really yucky. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I triggered you then. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to just get real skinny in that situation. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> you're going to self-sacrifice and your stomach will eat itself. And not that anyone asked, but my answer is all of them. All of my loved ones because mama hungry. <laughs> but do you, like, is it indiscriminate or do you have like a hierarchy? Like, are there no. some that you think are who's, tastier than others? Who's closest Whoever to me right first. now? Yeah, exactly. So William, watch your back. Because your back looks juicy and delicious and some mm. fat Bill, back human bacon sounds amazing. Mm, yeah, so Bill would be out. very yummy. Mm. I definitely start with my in-laws, <laughs> but I also like don't have any sort of limit. This is <laughs> <Yeah>. so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. A little, okay. Moving on to a little more uh, <laughs> substance. So, Senator, you are known for your LGBTQ activism and because you hold the distinction of being the first openly bisexual person and also... If I if I'm correct, this the only the second openly LGBTQ woman elected to Congress. Correct. And I just I love I read a public statement that you made all the way back in 2005, which when it comes to these issues was like a wildly different time, um, where you said basically, quote, we're simply people like everyone else who want and deserve respect. And then when reporters picked up on the fact that you use the word we, you responded with, duh, I'm bisexual. <laughs> I love the duh. Which duh. is like another bumper Keep sticker. Up, idiot. <laughs> yeah. Duh, I'm bisexual. So I just, my approach I just is it. pretty simple. It's just like, I, I am who I am and I think everyone else should be who they are. And I feel like if you're okay with who you are, your life is going to be a lot happier. And mm -hmm. if other people are not okay with who you are, that's really their problem, not yours. Nailing it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're right, you're yeah. right. When can I move to Arizona? I will say though, that my hair in 2005 was very unfortunate. It was, a, it was oh, an unfortunate honey. phase. Who's <laughs> right? All of us, all of yeah. America. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> You're also the first female senator to represent the great state of Arizona, which is the uh, what state? I don't know. The great 48. The great 48. Yeah. That's actually say a big deal the really here in Arizona. Great state. state, great 48. And it is a little warm. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Just a tad. <laughs> Compared to Minnesota, kind of a different planet. Yeah, but you know what? You can go outside every single day in Arizona, like year-round. It's so beautiful. Yeah, my well, friend's mom lives there, and she loves it. you can go outside every day here. You just shouldn't. You just need special equipment mm, sometimes. I don't really like snow. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever even seen it? Yes. <laughs> sometimes it snows in Washington, D.C., and, you know, I work there. And oh, when okay. it does snow there, I don't like it. <laughs> it can get really hot in D.C. too, but a different kind of hot, I'm guessing. Right, swampy. It's like more of a crock yeah. pot, you know. The sexy and, yeah. kind of hot. Yeah, and Arizona's more like an oven, and I am definitely an oven type, not a crock pot type. Yeah, yeah. I have never been to Arizona, so what? I... Oh, it's awesome. I know. Well, I it's really, really nice. In go. the after, you should come. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the after. I like oh, that. I like that. Yeah. So you came to the Senate as part of the so-called women's wave during the 2018 midterms. And I'm just curious what that experience was like, what that time period was like. And also, how do you think we can sustain that type of progress in 2020, hopefully? Fingers Mm -hmm. crossed. Dear God, help us all. So, you know, I was elected to Congress in 2012. And so I served six years in the U.S. House um, from a district, a a Republican-leaning district in Arizona. And then in 2018, as you've noted, I ran for the Senate and became the first woman ever to represent Arizona Senate, but also the first member of my party in 30 years to be elected Mm -hmm. to the United States Senate. And I, I don't think that people... Um, elected me because I'm a woman in Arizona. In fact, I'm pretty positive they didn't. My opponent was also a woman. Um, Mm -hmm. They elected me because they believed that I was genuine and relatable and authentic and actually cared about their problems. And and perhaps most importantly, understood their struggles because I've been through a lot of struggles in my own life as well. And Mm so mm -hmm. um, this is what my advice is to anyone who wants to run for office, particularly for women, is... You don't need to think about like building a resume or wearing certain kinds of clothes or looking a certain way or any of that kind of stuff. What matters is that you are authentically you and that you genuinely care about people and that you learn how to communicate it in a very forthright, direct way, because that's what voters are really hungry for. Yeah. And that you come on the Wine and Crime podcast. Right. Yeah, despite any misgivings of your communications director. And I don't know how I managed, but I did. I got elected before this recording, so I'm not sure I, how yeah, that happened. It's shocking. But yeah, here I we are. We're, I we're equally shocked. <laughs> I yeah. will say my communications director, when I told him I wanted to do this, he was like, hmm, I've not heard of this. And so I gave him a little snapshot of who you were, and he oh, was God. both um, horrified and um, thought it was hilarious. So I was like, just go listen to the first episode. No, no, why would you do that? <laughs> oh, no. Worst possible recommendation. And he texted me and he was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But I just convinced uh, him that I would not be cursing and that um, it would be okay. That's, what I, that's, yeah. that's how that went. Yeah. And also that he works for you. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm not a complete to. asshole, so I did not say that. <laughs> yeah, didn't say that. Oh, my God. So I'm wondering, we're all kind of confronted with the reality right now, uh, especially right now, that elections matter a lot and can even be life and death. So I'm wondering what steps you think we need to take in order to protect our democracy in the 2020 election, especially at a time when folks probably don't feel safe physically going to the polls? Well, that is something I'm concerned about. You know, in Arizona, we have um, early balloting. So Mm -hmm. more than 80% of Arizonans already vote by mail and they vote in advance of election day. And that is a very safe and a very secure way to vote. Um, We've seen in some states like um, I know you guys don't really like Wisconsin, but they're an example of a <laughs> oh, state yeah. that um, just, you know, out where we live, Wisconsin and Minnesota are kind of like ish, This like they're big states and they're cold mm-hmm. and there's a lot of cheese. And so, don't you dare. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's, they're we big We are and not cold. the same. Are you, oh, I'm sorry, are you the senator from Nevada, New Mexico? <laughs> oh. Okay, I will say that happens <laughs> all the time. It does all the time. <laughs> People would be like, how is it in New Mexico? I'm like, I love visiting there. It's beautiful. Um, okay. So you guys saw this, that, you know, they, they had a primary in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and I just read last night that, um, there are 19 individuals who have, um, been diagnosed with COVID-19 and, mm-hmm. um, there's reason to believe that some of them, if not all of them contracted it while working or voting on the election day. And so, yeah. you know, this, I think that provides a real opportunity for us to think about how to create more safety and security in upcoming elections. Elections. Most states still have um, a general, I mean, everyone has a general election in November, but many states like mine still have a primary election yet to come. And right. mm-hmm. so this is an opportunity for the federal government to provide logistical and financial support to states um, so that states can figure out how to hold their elections in a safe and secure manner that allow everyone to vote, which is their right, and I would argue our duty as Americans, but also mm-hmm. to do so in a way where you're not um, jeopardizing your own health or safety. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what what a lot of us are working on right now um, in Congress is to try and figure out how do we help support states who are looking um, for ways to help their citizens vote in a safe and secure way. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Yeah. Why are, it seems like there are a lot of politicians who are against voting by mail. Is that just straight up a desire for disenfranchisement or is are there actual logical reasons why people should not be allowed to vote by mail. I can't speak to other people's opinions or their reasoning. Um, and I make a, um, a policy never to question another person's motives because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want them to do that to me. But what I can tell you is that voting by mail and is entirely safe and secure. And there are a number of states on the West Coast that do entire vote by mail. Oregon is an example. And it is safe and it's secure and they don't have instances of voter fraud. And again, in my state, Arizona, over 80% of voters choose to vote by mail, myself included, and it is secure. Um, Mm -hmm. So I can't speak to why some people would oppose it, but I can tell you that it's a very secure method of voting. I question everyone's motives and absolutely a fucking conspiracy (laughs) for voter suppression. There we go. I lean towards that as well. I've Mm. mostly voted by mail in my life because I've mostly voted absentee. Mm -hmm. I think I've only voted in person 
twice in my entire life, and every other time was absentee. So, yeah, it's easy. It's safe. It's so important. It's worth it. Please vote. If you have any questions about voting, fucking Google it because you're an adult. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So that being said, um, you, you definitely have more of a centrist record and you're considered something of a moderate, despite maybe your podcast choices, which are apparently anything but moderate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so obviously representing a, a swing state, you know, there's, there are definite benefits to being more bipartisan and and trying to work across the aisle. But I'm curious if you think that any of your positions may have changed since your election to the Senate um, or since the pandemic has started. Well, one thing I really pride myself on is being a lifelong learner. I believe that a mature human is a person who is interested in learning and growing and changing. And so for me, that means listening to a variety of opinions, even those with whom I disagree, and doing it in a way that's open enough for me to be able to learn and sometimes change my opinion if I get new information. Um, and I know that that's not very popular in today's political world, but you know, I think that's what makes you a a, an evolved person. It's what helps you be a mature person who's growing. I also teach part-time at Arizona State University, the most innovative university in the country. Thank you. <laughs> and I've been teaching at Arizona State since 2003. So I am, you know, I'm a half-time professor. And my students um, are often graded, well, they're never graded on whether or not they can memorize or regurgitate things, because that is not, in my opinion, uh, reflective of your ability to learn. What they are graded on is their ability to think critically and grow. Um, and if I'm asking my students to do that, it is also something I need to be willing to do. And it's, it's again, I think it's my greatest strength um, politically. Um, Mm-hmm. Also, fashion, but um, yes, yes, <laughs> girl, yes. Today, I learned I am not an evolved I or mature I didn't want human being. To ask you a fashion-related question, and I didn't want to ask you about your exercise regimen. One because I will not follow it, and two because I didn't want to be sexist. <laughs> but you, seriously, you've got like Michelle Obama arms. I'm just gonna put it out there, Thank like, you. girl. I work really hard on them. Yeah. yeah. But also You're a triathlete. In, yeah, but in Arizona also you wear sleeveless clothes like almost every single day. So you can't have flabby arms. You gotta really work your arms. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I That's do That's why I live in the Midwest. See? I wear <laughs> sleeveless clothes every day and can attest that you can have flabby arms. I have <laughs> Well, and you know, if you have a body, your body is ready to wear whatever clothes you want to wear, right? God damn yeah. right. That's right. Woo! So <laughs> Yes. I, I do. I do marathoning, ultra marathoning, Ironmans, and I do that for fun, um, which I know Whoa. sounds crazy, <laughs> but it oh, makes you really my happy. Word. Wait, so I'm off track. I want to get back on track. This The, mm. the question was about, um, have I changed any of my opinions? And the answer mm-hmm. is that, um, yeah, I do change my mind. Um, and I change my mind when I learn more information and when I... Um, I'm willing to listen and grow. And for me, I hope that's every day. So mm-hmm. I, I do evolve and change over time. And, and again, I know that's not popular in today's political world, but I wish that more Americans would 
recognize that this is actually a sign of maturity and what we want. That's how you find solutions and how you get through gridlock and solve problems is by Mm -hmm. listening and being willing to change your opinions if presented with new evidence that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. I wish everyone had that philosophy. I know I that will there never been... change how I feel about anything ever. <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten feedback from listeners that has really not from Alan, but feedback <laughs> from intelligent listeners that has really shaped our worldviews and like oh, understandings yeah. of things. Big absolutely. Time. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. Despite the fact that you insist on exercising when we've clearly yeah. warned you against it on this. Yeah, show. I mean, you definitely just lost my vote with the marathon, but like I live in Minnesota, so you're safe anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. See, it, so, okay. Um, <laughs> I will not be voting for you by mail. <laughs> well, that would also be illegal because you live in Minnesota, yeah. so we're good. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's. <laughs> oh, um, oh, she's going through a tunnel. Okay. Oh god. Oh, god. you're breaking up. I'm so sorry. Our time not has the, expired. Not the living room tunnel. Okay, so more serious. You've experienced poverty and even childhood homelessness firsthand um, when you were growing up in in elementary school. Is that right? That's right. We were um, we were homeless for almost three years, and um, actually lived in an old abandoned gas station, and uh, didn't have running water or electricity. Damn. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 an amazing feat to kind of come from you know everything you've experienced as a child, and to now be sitting in the Senate. And I'm just wondering, because you've experienced it firsthand, what policies would you like to see implemented that would combat homelessness and also protect the homeless, including homeless children in our country at this time, especially when so many people are struggling financially or are, you know, looking down the barrel of, of homelessness as a very real possibility for them and their families. Um, This is an area of growing concern for me. You know, I, because of my own experience in childhood, I, I have um, always tried to legislate in a way that creates economic prosperity and wealth for all people in our country using kind of pro-growth, pro-business policies, but also ensuring that we have programs in place to protect those who are vulnerable and those who are going through tough times and those who have been left behind. Like, that was my family when I was a kid. My, my mom did everything right, but... When my parents got divorced, you know, she hadn't had the chance to go to college and raising three kids on her own was really difficult to do. And, you know, that's how we slipped into poverty. It wasn't like mm-hmm. there was a, any fault there. It was just life, right. life through a curveball and we didn't have a bat. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think yeah. people so often don't understand that one, one false move, one step or not. Off, or not even, even like just, I don't mean false move like on your part. I yeah. just mean like just one, one thing, 
one thing can knock you off your axis. I mean, and just Mm -hmm. completely destroy you financially. And it's so easy for folks who do have, you know, six months of savings sitting in the bank, which does not account for the vast majority of Americans to say, oh, you should have put away for a rainy day for this. But it's like, how the fuck do you even expect people to put away for a rainy day when they're already living paycheck to paycheck and every ounce of their paycheck Mm -hmm. is going just to survive at the basis level? Also, it never rains in Arizona. Yes. <laughs> I was going to go back to the the diluvian metaphor like when it's when it's not when the rainy day is not just a rainy day when it's a torrential flood for the entire economy like right. it was in 2008 or now. Unfortunately, right now. now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what's yeah. I mean, I know that's what's happening to folks right now. And so one of the things I'm really focusing on is how do we help people who are facing vulnerability right now. So in Arizona, we've got the highest number of people applying for unemployment insurance of of my lifetime. And there are people we know who can't pay their rent and can't pay their mortgage. And we have um, food shortages, particularly in rural parts of Arizona. And and we do have a growing problem of homelessness. And, And folks who are homeless have a harder time protecting themselves from the spread of the virus because they don't have access mm-hmm. to the things that you need to keep your safe, your family and yourself safe. And so right. I have to say, like, just this morning, the mayor of Phoenix, who is a, a young woman, um, announced that the city of Phoenix is putting $19 million of uh, the money that they received from the federal government, the bill that we passed not quite a month ago, they're spending 19 million of that just on services for homeless individuals in the city of Phoenix. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's it's those kinds of efforts. Um, I'm working closely with the Veterans Association and all of our veteran service organizations throughout Arizona to provide special assistance to homeless veterans who may be at risk of contracting the coronavirus. So really just thinking about what it would be like to be vulnerable during this time and then figuring out how do we expand services and access to folks who are struggling right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love That's that. fantastic. And then along that same vein about expanding access, you know, you, you were part of the White House Health Reform Task Force back in 2009, which helped shape the Affordable Care Act. You were present at the signing of the ACA at the White House. You know, you were instrumental in all of that. What changes do you hope to see improve healthcare in our country going forward, particularly at this time when so many people have been laid off of work or, you know, are in precarious situations and, and don't have the health coverage that they need? Well, one of the things that was really important about the Affordable Care Act when it passed in the spring of 2010 was it created more accessibility for Americans across the country. What it didn't do at as well as it should have, was create affordability, right? Mm -hmm. So you can get access to healthcare in this country. You just can't afford it. And so we really have to figure out what do we do to kind of tug down on that cost curve so that not only is is healthcare accessible, but actually affordable so that you and your family can afford to purchase insurance, but more importantly, so you can afford to use it. So here in Arizona, most people do have access to health insurance, but they don't have access to actual health care because they can't afford to use their insurance. The Mm co-pays and the deductibles are too high. It, It is and has been for several years the number one most important issue to Arizonans. When I was running for Senate in 2018, the crux of my campaign was 
talking about Arizonans' access to health care and protecting the right for people with pre-existing health conditions to keep their coverage without increased costs. It was, that was the number one most important thing to Arizonans. And that remains so today, even during this pandemic. So I, I think, you know, my approach has always been to think of the practical, realistic solution to the really big challenges we face. And so that's why you're not ever going to see me on cable news. Also, my hair looks really bad right now, but you're not going to see me on like a cable news network talking about extreme positions to make radical changes to policies in our country, because that's not realistic. Like that's not actually going to happen. What I am interested in are practical, pragmatic solutions that actually make a difference in real people's lives. And so for me, that means like looking at our existing healthcare laws and what kind of tweaks and changes can we make that are realistic, pragmatic changes we can make that actually create a system of healthcare that's affordable and accessible and that protects what people have and what they need for their families. So you're not in the Medicare for all vein, but you're in the driving down the costs, tweaking, touching up the ACA vein. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. the first option is not realistic given our current political situation or our country's financial situation. But the second option of like recognizing what's wrong and taking action to fix it, that is very realistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ACA saved my life, I would say. Saved, yeah. I definitely was only able to access healthcare coverage during a, a period of unemployment thanks to Obamacare. I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah. But. I mean for me, I w- I I have not ever gone since moving out of before moving out of my parents' home when I was 19, I have never been unemployed. And I was on my parents' insurance until I was 26 and that worked really well for me, but I was working in the restaurant industry and my options were either no healthcare or some of the worst healthcare I've ever seen and I've been a type 1 diabetic since I was 12. Mm. So I just got lucky that the age limit ended in a time when, you know, I had already participated in voting for an Obama presidency and living in Minnesota, I got, you know, government assistance as well as insurance through the ACA. So I was able to afford it. But my goodness, you're so young. I'm yeah, I'm just a little baby. But I mean, I I literally would have been fucked because I can't you can't afford insulin without insurance. And yeah. even a lot of folks who have insurance can barely afford their insulin. And I've been mm-hmm. able to survive because my copays under the insurance that I've had, thanks to the Affordable Care Act, have been like three dollars for a vial of insur- of insulin wow. and not, you know, seventy-five dollars or a thousand mm-hmm. you know, it, well, it's not a thousand dollars, but a vial of insulin now just like base cost to just buy over the counter is like $175. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. And that barely lasts a month, that tiny mm-hmm. vial. And it's made of yeah. glass. Can we talk it's about how the insulin vial to is do literally crack. glass? <laughs> and well. so if you drop a vial, you're just fucked. You've just flushed $175 and like, you know, your ability to live down the fucking toilet. Can we get on the horn with whoever's making this shit and get a better vial? I can ask about that, but I would need Thank to. You, you got to tell me who makes it because just Lily, saying a vial of whoever makes you, this is, yeah, that's not going to help. Basically, it's oh, everyone who makes it, we'll but I, I'll send you, you an email. Okay, good. Receipts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of, uh, one more serious question, and then we got a couple rapid fire, easy, easy ones. 
What do you want people to know about this pandemic, about COVID-19, and what steps that they should be taking to stay safe? Oh, goodness. There's really so much I could say here. You know, each of us who, who, you know, who's participating or listening lives in a different part of the country, and some of the listeners live in other countries. So the first thing I would say is listen to the scientists and the respected doctors in your in your government, because those are the voices who are giving you directions that can be trusted and that are scientifically and medically sound. So what I tell folks here in Arizona is when Dr. Fauci speaks, you should listen to him. What he is saying Mm -hmm. is accurate and it is true and you can trust him. When Dr. Birch speaks, she knows what she's talking about. Um, This is not a time to listen to what politicians are saying because politicians often are not scientists. Usually not. Um, and sometimes they have different considerations or motivations for what they're saying. So to keep yourself and your family and your community safe, listen, listen to the scientists, the trusted doctors and, and the experts. And then number two, I know that we're all making a lot of sacrifices during this time, but those sacrifices are keeping not only ourselves healthy, but they're keeping our neighbors and our community healthy. And that is that's incredibly important. You know, here we are today at at the time of this taping and over 45,000 Americans have passed away because of this Mm -hmm. coronavirus. It is rapidly becoming the leading cause of death in our country. And we're going to get past this when we have a treatment and when we have a vaccine. But until we have treatment and vaccine, each of us have a real duty to help bend that curve of infection and mortality downward. And mm-hmm. it's our responsibility to behave in a way that presumes we already have it and that we're trying not to spread it to other people. That's the way that we should all think about this be our behavior. And so right. in the next couple months in particular, Governors in different states are going to be taking actions to reopen parts of the economy, some little by little, guided by science, some using a different strategy. And <laughs> so my suggestion is Florida. to... <laughs> my suggestion... <laughs> so my suggestion is to stay connected to what you hear from Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and, and be guided. Your behavior should be guided by what they say. Um, we, we are going to see a softening over the summer where infection rates will reduce and things will go a bit better. But there's a real possibility that we see a second wave in the fall. And, you know, mm-hmm. just just earlier um, this week, the CDC director said that it's possible that the infection comes back and the virus comes back more um, with more vigor in the fall and right. that it could more be resilient. even more deadly. And so mm-hmm. we, we can impact that by our behavior. And so that's what I would that's what I would say to folks is that this is a really difficult time. It's very hard to you know, stay in your home and and not go out. It's very hard to work from home and not go to work. And for those who can't work from home, who just aren't working at all, they are suffering economically and their family is really hurting financially. We need to help them. But we also need to be really careful as we ease back in to a system that's, that's looser, that we do so thinking about how important it is to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in that vein, some quarantine rapid fire questions. 
approximately how much wine are you drinking per hour on average? Okay. And <laughs> this, I'm prepared for this question. I'm limiting myself to half a bottle a day. Nice. That's good. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. So my partner and I split a bottle of wine each evening and that's it. Mm-hmm. I love that's that good. ritual. That's so... Oh, I want too nice. You're too nice. I'm so jealous. My partner and I split (laughs) half a weed gummy every night. Uh, no, we. I don't do that. Yeah, that's like shit. I drink my wine. He drinks his beer. (laughs) He drinks his weed. (laughs) Well, neither my girlfriend or I drink much beer. So I know how to brew beer, and I brew beer every summer for my birthday. But my preference is wine, and and then. After that, it would be a good Añejo tequila, a very good one. Oh, nice. You're a badass. You are full of surprises. You're a jewel of all trades. When was the last time you brushed your hair? Be honest. (laughs) Um, Silence. (laughs) Let's see. Um, Monday. Nice. nice. Today is Wednesday as we record. God, yeah. so damn well, relatable. Because I, um, okay, so I swim in, in a backyard little pool, but it's not big enough to do laps. So I just am using a dog leash connected to an elastic tether that like you Incredible. put around your waist and you just swim in it. <laughs> and so I brushed my hair after my swim. Nice. I also Amazing. washed it just to be clear. I washed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to protect that blonde. Uh, I mean, ish. It's not that blonde anymore. <laughs> it turns out <laughs> that platinum is not my natural color. Yeah, I feel you. I know. It's shocking. I know. People are shocked. Yeah. No, they don't know yet. This It's been debuted on this <laughs> podcast. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I feel right, so in last, the know. Uh, last but not least, what is your go-to quarantine outfit? Mm. So I just ordered some new work clothes. Um, and <laughs> by work clothes, I mean um, lounging pajamas from Target. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They have this fabric uh, called So Cozy or Super Cozy. or I don't even know what it's called, but it's very soft. It's like a little teddy bear. And so I was like, mm, I'm going to make things exciting. And I'm going to order a pair of kind of they're not quite pajamas because the pants are white legged. So that I think means you're wearing it in the daytime, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Looks yeah. good with this a, with a kitten heel. Yeah. <laughs> I just am barefoot. I'm just barefoot to be clear, <laughs> but I'm also yeah. born and raised in Arizona. So we're pretty much always barefoot unless you have to go outside and then you're wearing flip-flops. And so mm. there you go. But this outfit pairs very well with flip-flops. Love. Nice. I love it. Oh, Senator, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, This was like the highlight of our lives. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And also, everybody calls me Kirsten. (laughs) I will call you As you were saying, Senator, I was just reaching for my glass and chugging, basically. Now that that the interview is over, I will switch. We're going to, I'm going to pour a new glass of champagne. And now I will call you Kirsten. Kirsten. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. You're a Thanks, badass. Kirsten. Yeah, I am. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm Fabulous. just having a good time in my life. I'm working hard and I'm helping people and I'm also having fun. That's what you got to do. Ugh, right? That's what it's all Keep about. Keep crushing. You are crushing. I love it. All right. Well, stay safe and, you know, 
enjoy that bottle of wine every night with your partner and mm-hmm. half keep bottle. listen to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're only drinking half a bottle each because we drink good wine. So you can't really, you know, it gets expensive <laughs> if you drink more than one bottle a day. You can't That's chug it like fair. we do. No, mm-hmm. I also, but I will. I'm going to send you a Boda box. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> she's like, fine, I'll arm. cook with it. She's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess I have to make a chili. I'll I don't feed know. it to my dog. <laughs> I don't I'll have, water my garden. I don't have any pets, and you don't really have to water your garden in Arizona what? because it's all zeroscape, which means it's just rocks and cactus. It's actually mm-hmm. really pretty. Okay, I need that. I cannot wait to come to Arizona when we eventually, when people are gathering again and we do a live show in Arizona, you have to give us all your favorite haunts to check out. I, yeah, can we stay with you? No. No. <laughs> no. You can stay with no. No, you can't. She has a very hard no guest rule. She, she, we, no one stays at our house. She's me. You're dating me. No. <laughs> no she's older. Um, no. I love it. She's not as I old as me. Guests. She's not as old as me, but she's, uh, she does not want people here at the house. I understand. Fair I enough. don't want I me think to I need that me rule. either. You're preaching yeah. to the choir. <laughs> yeah. We hate most everything and everyone. I even live we'll alone meet. in Washington, D.C. Like, lots of people um, move their families there. That's what the old people do. And then the young ones or the house members, like, live together, like, um, in, in a frat house kind of style. And I live alone. That's weird. I live alone in a two-bedroom apartment in Washington, D.C. Because I need one bedroom Good. for me and my bed. Mm-hmm. And I need one bedroom for my clothes and my shoes. And that's mm-hmm. how it goes. Yep. Yes. This yeah. is making oh, a lot clean. of sense. Yeah. Everything you say makes sense. I agree. Yeah. Mm. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been fabulous. Live keep living your best life. I am. And I will. My um my girlfriend's gonna be very excited that I was able to I promised them I would mention them in the podcast. So um Yay. I will soon send a uh photo of us socially distancing in our yes. um in our shirts. So please do. Yeah. Stay the F home shirt. Yeah. My girlfriend actually even bought one of those things on the internet, like the cloth cutter things. It has like a plastic board with lines and it has like a special cutting wheel, like a fabric yeah. cutting wheel. Yeah. Because she's really into doctoring her own shirts and then bedazzling. To make them, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to see she that. She also made um, us all handmade masks out of different colored bandanas that are bedazzled. So, that is so freaking cute. I know we're cute. very cool. We're very cool. So cool. <laughs> Oh, so oh, cool. Fabulous. All right. Well, I need to go bedazzle some shit. You don't even have me. a bedazzler. Yeah, we know this bitch don't have I'm a bedazzler. I'm going to have to individually Called glue out. on rhinestones. <laughs> Kirsten's on out. fire. <laughs> <laughs> I already know. But you, you don't even have ones. a bedazzler. You can buy one on Amazon. It will arrive within three to five days. If you Not lived here, in the won't. United States, that would be true. I can't but. even buy wine or oh. bread. So, no. Actually, though, not buying bread is nice because then you don't have to have the carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to replace it with carbs. potatoes, but it's yeah. fine. Potato <laughs> bread. Okay. <laughs> I actually have to go back and do real work in a few minutes. I'm doing a call on housing and homelessness <laughs> next, and I have two minutes Yay. to get to that call. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Kirsten. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. If you've ever listened to this show, then you have definitely heard us talk about Brainbridge. 
By now, you know that they make it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house, which is good because Mm -hmm. none of us are leaving the house. Mm -mm. So from art prints and diplomas to the family photos that are just sitting on your phone, like all of my wedding photos that I have yet to print. Oh, God. (laughs) You can frame bridge just about anything. All right, here's a reminder how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. You can preview your item online in dozens of different frame styles, super cute frame styles. You can choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. And the experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Yeah. So instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at FrameBridge.com when they use our code GALS. And let me tell you, I've had a thing recently where I'm like trying to support my friends who are artists, which is, you know, always good, but especially in times like these. So I found myself with like, I don't know, six or eight new pieces of artwork and like they're all from different people. So I kind of wanted to like put them in the same room. So I decided to go to FrameBridge and choose like similar plain black frames for all of them just to sort of unify them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I am so excited. So I ordered the, I submitted the dimensions for all of them, whatever. The website makes it super easy. They sent in packaging for me to ship it for free to FrameBridge. They're going to put them all in those beautiful black frames. I cannot wait to make like a mosaic in my living room. It's going to look so pretty. Yes, like a gallery wall. I love it. Yeah. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use that promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, to save an additional 15% off your first order. Again, go to framebridge.com. Use that promo code GALS, framebridge.com. Promo code GALS. Treat your wall. Treat them. Well, that was incredible. I love her. Mm-hmm. We're going to be forcing ourselves to stay at her home in Arizona, despite her partner's wishes. I'm moving so I don't in think with we're going to do that. Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> so excited to have two new roommates um, oh in Arizona. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will not be drinking a third of a bottle of wine a night, though. That's no. true. Yeah. No. no. Mm-hmm. Have your own wine cave. Okay. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for pandemic problems? Mm, this was fun. Oh, it God. also hit really close to home. I can't imagine why. Real. Way more champagne to get there. <laughs> okay. I didn't go too deep. I just wanted to talk about some infectious diseases and how we've sort of dealt with them through history. And also maybe just as a little reminder that like we're not that much more advanced than we were in the 1300s, for example. Mm, Classic. Mm. We're seeing examples of that with every new protest to reopen the state. We'll get to some idiots when we get to my segment. (laughs) (laughs) There will be time for idiots. 
<laughs> we'll get to it. Okay. So infectious diseases that threaten our existence have been increasing along with the human population. Lots of people living in close proximity to each other and to animals, particularly when combined with poor sanitation and nutrition, means that disease is more likely to break out. Pandemics really only began when we shifted to agrarian communities, and global pandemics have only been a thing since overseas trading routes have been established. So really, in the course of human history, our collective risk of plague has only been increasing, and it's been increasing mm. fairly exponentially. That actually makes perfect sense, especially with yeah, how as we like, have interconnected we all are now. Right, and yeah. the technology of travel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like in mid-March, I was in three different countries in the span of 16 hours. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And also, wasn't it four? Well, whatever. Uh, Doesn't matter. Different I states. Thought, I thought you went from New York to London to Dubai to South Africa. No, I wasn't in Dubai. Oh, I did okay. Joburg to London to New York to Atlanta to Louisville and back. We, when Amanda and I flew to South Africa, we were in four countries because we went... Yeah, we had layovers New- in Italy and in Dubai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was also a lot more than 16 hours because, you know, we had nope, to save $70 like per two ticket. Two days. <laughs> Never again. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Here are some basic definitions for us. An epidemic is a disease that affects a large number of people within a community, population, or region. A pandemic is an epidemic that has spread over multiple countries or continents. Endemic means that something is uh, belongs to a particular people or country. So endemic is an adjective. And an mm. outbreak is a greater than anticipated increase in the number of endemic cases. It can also be a single case in a new area. And if it's not quickly controlled, an outbreak can become an epidemic, which can become a pandemic. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's discuss what it is that we call the plague, which is caused by a bacterium, just one little old bacterium called mm-hmm. Yersinia pestis. Oh my God. I feel like I'm back in AP European history. I yeah, know. A, I love it go so brown much. Rat. It's about to get good. <laughs> From a history.com article, the first iteration of this was called the plague of Justinian which arrived in Constantinople, which is the capital of the Byzantine Empire. In Not the year- Istanbul. Correct. Mm-hmm. Constantinople. <laughs> there it is. Uh, in the year 541. It was brought over via the Mediterranean from Egypt, which at the time was a recently conquered land. And it came over with a bunch of grain that was meant to like be a tribute to Emperor Justinian. But the bacteria that lived on the fleas, that lived on the black rats that were eating the grain, Mm -hmm. traveled with them from Egypt to Constantinople. And in the end, this round of plague decimated Constantinople and spread like wildfire across Europe, Asia, North Africa, and Arabia, killing an estimated 30 to 50 million people, which at the time was about half of the world's population. Mm Mm-hmm. But at least no one developed autism from the vaccine. Exactly. (laughs) Well, there was no vaccine. There was no Jenny McCarthy at that time (laughs) to tell everyone that that would happen. That was like, yeah. It was all old people. So, you know, really an appetizing Mm. percentage. 
Mm-hmm. Or whatever the fuck Dr. Oz said. Jesus. Ugh. Quote, people had no real understanding of how to fight it other than trying to avoid sick people, said Thomas Machitis, which in itself sounds like a disease. <laughs> I, oh, I feel I've like got I got the I Thomas Machitis. I got the Machitis. The I have Machitis tea. I have Machitis tea. Machitis type tea. Mock-tail-itis. I'm gonna need you to stay back six feet. <laughs> I've got machitis tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, machitis tea is a history professor at DePaul University. <laughs> really hope he's listening. And machitis tea says, as to how the plague ended, the best guess is that the majority of people in a pandemic somehow survive, and those who survive have immunity. It just oh, kind of like goes away. Works After itself millions out. Well, die. Well, yeah, the people I mean, that are susceptible the die off. Yeah, right, right. I understand like, that. But at the, but at that the makes time, sense, they didn't sucks. know that. No. Yeah. Of course, they the bacteria the ones. was able to survive in some capacity, and 800 years later, it came back with a fucking vengeance. Mm-hmm. And this time, it was known as the Black Death, resurging in Europe in 1347 killing 200 million people in just four <gasps> years. Holy shit. I always forget about these numbers because I, know. So I haven't st- thought about it since stats are ninth wild. grade. Two-thirds of the current United States. Mm-hmm. At this point, people still didn't understand exactly how the disease spread, but they did know that it had something to do with proximity to sick people. And thus, the concept of quarantine was born. And this is my favorite factoid of this entire segment. Buckle up. Yes. Okay. Officials in the Venetian-controlled city of Ragusa decided to keep newly arrived sailors in isolation until they could prove that they weren't sick before letting them go into the city. So the practice of keeping them on their ships in port for 30 days was passed into a law known as Trentino, meaning 30, and Mm. eventually that was increased to 40 days or a Quarantino. Oh, nice. Etymology, daddy. Hello. (laughs) I love etymology. And entomology. And daddies. And daddies. (laughs) Unfortunately, and to no one's surprise, in 2020, this was not enough to eradicate the disease entirely. London, in particular, continued to suffer outbreaks, around 40 outbreaks in the next 300 years. So it just, like, came back every once in a while to, like, kill some people. And then with each Mm -hmm. new epidemic, around 20% of London's population was killed. Holy shit. Dear God. It was Those are fucking big old waves. brutal. So here's mm-hmm. another quote from this history.com article, which was really fucking fascinating. By the early 1500s, England imposed the first laws to separate and isolate the sick. Homes stricken by plague were marked with a bale of hay strung to a pole outside. If you had infected family members, you had to carry a white pole with you when you went out in public. Cats and dogs were believed to carry the disease, so there was a wholesale massacre of hundreds of thousands of animals. Which apparently started in some places today in 2020 because people thought, I don't know if you, did you guys hear about this? In South Africa, at least, there had to be like public service announcements that were like, your cats and dogs. Don't kill your pets. Yeah, literally. Okay, but cats can carry 
coronavirus. They can carry, but they can't, um, like a living pet, cat or dog, is not a vector of the disease to humans, they don't believe. Doesn't that mean that they carry the disease, though? They can get it, but it doesn't really affect them as much, and they also are not, like, vectors of the disease to humans, unless you're, like, eating them. So they can carry it and they can, quote-unquote, have it, but but a person can't get it from a cat. It's very unlikely. At least unlikely. at this point, from what we know, it's extremely unlikely. Yeah. yeah. Not likely enough to call for anyone to be murdering their pets. Yes. Right. But also, the facts that we know about coronavirus are so fucking few and far between mm-hmm. that who the fuck they knows ch- what we're going to find out tomorrow. Constantly. Yeah, exactly. So the Great Plague of 1665 was the last and one of the worst of the centuries-long outbreaks, killing one the sixties. One the sixteen sixties. Killing one hundred thousand Londoners in just seven months. All public entertainment was banned, and victims were forcibly shut into their homes to prevent the spread of disease. Red crosses were painted on the doors along with a plea for forgiveness. Lord have mercy upon us. How fucking creepy is that? So creepy. As cruel as it was, seriously, as cruel as it was to shut up the sick in their homes and bury the dead in mass graves, it may have been the only way to bring this last great plague outbreak to an end. So it was rough, but it worked. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. (laughs) I know that I've talked about this on the show before, probably in the episode where we talked about gossip at the corpse cart, like initially. But it's still just like one of my favorite memories was in Rouen in Normandy. There, there's a city and there's a, a spot in the, probably multiple, but there's this one spot in the city that's like a courtyard. And during the Black Death in the 1300s, it was used as like a, a quarantined area for people, you know, sick. But like on death's door, basically. And they were all like forcibly shut in this one courtyard of this one building and locked in there as they until they died. Oh, and the interior of the courtyard has all these like wooden panels because it's kind of like a almost a German style, like an Alsatian style architecture. Mm -hmm. And the people that were trapped in there, like carved in the wood. As they were dying. Yikes. It's incredible. It's amazing. That's terrifying. That is my destination spooky little bitch. Okay. Maybe I could get married there. Yeah. It's actually (laughs) very pretty. But yeah, people carve like. Lord have mercy upon me in the wood. (laughs) (laughs) People carve their names. They carved little skulls. Like as they were dying and surrounded by corpses locked in this courtyard oh. in the middle of the city. The uh, little French town also in Normandy where my mom's uh, friend has a house that we stayed in also had a church where they locked in the dead and dying. I feel like that was yeah. a pretty common thing. Mm-hmm. Duh. Yuck. Okay. So in terms of immunity, it is appropriate to equate the circumstances of smallpox being brought to North America as a worst case scenario for indigenous people. Smallpox mm-hmm. was endemic to Europe, Asia, and Arabia. I don't know why they keep using the word Arabia. I feel like that's not. What the, the fuck Arab is Arabia? The Arab world. Yeah, I don't know. Middle East? I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, smallpox was endemic to that area as well, which means that it was native to those regions and not terribly uncommon. So most people had built up some sort of immunity. The the disease killed roughly three of every 10 people that it infected, which is fairly low because it's fucking smallpox. Three out of 10? In, in in places where there was some herd immunity. Yeah. That still seems kind of high. Well, that for smallpox today, was fucking... It's, for yeah, today, it's, it's high, but back then, yeah. Considering that this herd immunity, immunity that they had back then had nothing to do with vaccines, I feel like that's pretty low. I suppose that's true. Also, when you consider what comes next, it's pretty fucking low. So when mm-hmm. Europeans brought it over to North America in the 15th century, where indigenous peoples had zero immunity, immunity to the virus, it wiped out between 90 and 95% of those populations. Fuck. Mm-hmm. This accounts for the single biggest kill-off in human history. Edward Jenner's work studying immunity and thus basically inventing vaccines centuries later was the first thing that slowed smallpox besides like herd immunity, which again only gets you max 30% 30 uh, fatality. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that happened uh, around late 1800s. And then in 1980, the World Health Organization announced that smallpox had been completely eradicated. And also the story of this dude, uh, Edward Jenner, is kind of wild. So this is an excerpt from Wikipedia. And just be glad that he was not your neighbor. Oh, God. (laughs) Noting the common observation that milkmaids were generally immune to smallpox, Jenner postulated that the pus in the blisters... That no. the milkmaids received from cowpox, no. which, which is a disease similar to smallpox, but much less virulent. It's basically cow smallpox. Mm-hmm. Uh, prevented or protected them from smallpox. No. Mm-hmm. So he's like, uh, no. oh, it's the pus in their blisters. Yeah. So Dr. Jenner performed his first vaccination on James Phipps a boy of eight years old on May 14th, 1796. Oh, okay. So that's when he, that, this is when the smallpox thing, it wasn't the late 1800s, it was the late 1700s. Mm-hmm. So on May 14th, 1796, Jenner tested his hypothesis by inoculating James Phipps, who was the son of Jenner's gardener. It wasn't even mm-hmm. his own kid. <laughs> no, there was, kid. there was a lot of experimenting in the early days of vaccines and even the not so early days of vaccines, uh, experimenting on poor people, poor marginalized people, people, yeah. people of color, children. Yeah. So yep. here, so here was his method. He scraped pus from cowpox blisters on the hands of Sarah Nelms, a milkmaid who had caught cowpox from a cow named Blossom, whose Mm -hmm. hide now hangs on the walls of the St. George's Medical School Library, which is now in Tooting. (laughs) One of my uh, future girl-punk feminist rage bands is going to be called Blossom's Blisters. No. Oh, yeah. Blossom's Pus. Mm. (sighs) Phipps was the 17th case described in Jenner's first paper on vaccination. So Jenner inoculated Phipps in both arms that day, subsequently producing in Phipps a fever and some uneasiness, but no full-blown infection. Later, he injected Phipps with variolous material, the routine method of immunization at the time. I don't know what that means. 
and no disease followed. The boy was later challenged with variolous material and again showed no sign of infection. So, um, yeah, the pus did the trick. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) Isn't that so gross? He injected the child with pus from an infected cow's, like, udder, basically. I... (laughs) Yeah. No. And that's what we're hoping for today. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is what the variolous material, that's what this means. The word vaccine comes from variole vaccine, which is the Latin word for smallpox of the cow. So the word vaccine means cow. Vaca means cow. There we go. And variole, I'm guessing, means virus. Means the area around your nipple. Yeah. Yeah. The area around the virus's nipple. Various areole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the early 19th century, cholera was a big problem in England, but the science was mm, lacking. The prevailing theory at the time was that it was spread by miasma, which meant foul air. So the entirety of the inside of Amanda's apartment. Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's rude. You fart a lot. You said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) A British doctor named, I kid you not, John Snow (laughs) (laughs) knew nothing. The end. He knew a lot. He suspected that that was bullshit, this whole miasma thing, and that cholera was spread through the city's drinking water. So he literally investigated hospital records and morgue reports and compared them to a map of the city's water system and found that a cluster of 500 fatal infections were all surrounding the Broad Street Pump, which was like a popular city well. So eventually... My favorite restaurant. Yeah. Right. (laughs) eventually he persuaded city officials to discontinue use of that pump and the entire area's outbreak just like went away so Mm -hmm. this was sort of the first instance of like public health research that is fascinating i wish i had i mean you guys know how terrible i am at science but i wish i had studied public health more it's so fascinating it really really fucking it well you'd be aaron brockovich yeah Mm. i would Yeah, you would. (laughs) You got the tits. (laughs) You do have the tits, honey. Mm. So by the numbers, and this is so far. So I did my research two days ago. I did it on 420. (laughs) Nice. It's accurate, I swear. The Black Plague or the Bubonic Plague of 1347 was the biggest killer of all pandemics that we've recorded in human history so far. And that, again, left 200 million dead. Smallpox is next with 56 million, followed by the Spanish flu, probably, with an estimated 40 to 50 million dead, but some scholars say as many as 100 million died. And by the way, we talk about how language matters and that you shouldn't call COVID the Chinese virus. Yeah, didn't the Spanish flu not even come from Spain? Uh, It came from Kansas. Yeah. Which so they can't they can't prove it a hundred percent, but like it most likely developed in an army base in Kansas and then was brought to Spain because of the soldiers during the war mm-hmm. and then the Spanish flu racism, blah blah blah, xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um so that's followed by HIV AIDS between that's uh between twenty five and thirty million dead and then on and on from there. But 
bubonic plague, black plague of 1347 has been the worst so far. And then and just, it still exists. I know you already said that, but I just feel like it's worth pointing out, like, still exists. There are still pockets of bubonic plague mm-hmm. in the world today. That is mm-hmm. so wild. Well, again, mm-hmm. the poor sanitation, the close proximity to animals and other people, like, look mm-hmm. at any impoverished area anywhere in the world and you'll find things like this. Mm-hmm. It's just where it's just where it, it's the breeding ground. So I just wanted to close out by talking about something that is worth understanding if you are following the news. Different diseases have different rates of infectiousness. So scientists use a basic measure to track this rate called the reproduction number or the R naught. And then mm-hmm. if it's written down, it looks like an R and a zero. Mm-hmm. But saying it out loud is the R naught. And mm-hmm. if you've seen the movie Contagion, Kate Winslet has already taught you all that you need to know about r knots. Damn right. Literally, yes, that is how I know what it is you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm, right. So basically this number tells you how many susceptible people, i.e. unvaccinated people, one infected person can infect. So the r naught for COVID-19 is about 2.5. The r naught for regular old influenza is about 1.5. Smallpox is about 6. And the measles is about 16. Damn, Damn. that's a bad one. Yeah. So for those who are telling you that COVID is no more dangerous than the flu, then they are absolutely uninformed about both its R-naughts as well as its effects because it's fucking not. Right. And they're also uncovering... It infects more people and it wreaks havoc on your respiratory system and other organs they're discovering like way worse. And we don't have a treatment. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so go fuck yourself if you're saying Mm -hmm. shit like that. Yeah. Also people who, this drives me nuts. People who are like, it's only, it's quote, only killed this many tens of thousands of people (laughs) and more, more people than that die of per year. Cool. I bet that person is politically pro-life too, ironically. Mm -hmm. No, but also it's like, just think about the math for a second. Like it's killed 45,000 people as we record this in the U S alone in basically one month. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to compare that to the number of people that are killed by falling off of ladders, Every year, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. It's like, one, that's per year, not per You falling month. off a ladder is not going to make, it, you know, other people in your community ill. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's not, so it's not contagious to fall yeah. off of a ladder or whatever people compare it to. It's like, one, this is in one month, not a year. Yeah, exactly. And it's exponentially contagious, you piece mm-hmm. of shit. So in closing, stay the fuck home. Wear your mask, wash your hands, wash your mask, practice mm-hmm. self-care and social distancing, and hopefully together we can keep COVID-19 a relatively small pandemic. Mm-hmm. Do your mm-hmm. fucking part, people. Do it. Fuck. That's Nicely it. done. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If you're ready to make a lasting impression, Scentbird can help you discover your signature scent or keep things fresh with new fragrances from brands including Dolce & Gabbana. Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Ford, Versace, Glossier, and so many more. Mm-hmm. 
Scentbird is a monthly luxury perfume and cologne subscription service with over 600 designer brands, some of whom Lucy just listed. So many more to try. Uh, basically, you just choose the fragrance that you want to try, and then Scentbird sends you a 30-day supply in a travel-friendly, like, refillable case. It's actually, like, really fun to open. It kind of feels like a fancy, like, lipstick case almost. Yeah. Um, and they say 30-day supply, but I make mine last. I, I like to, mm-hmm. like, have a different scent each day. I've actually, I never thought that I was a perfume person. Um, and really had like barely ever worn perfume before this. But especially now, I find that like just having that little spritz and having like that little choice in the morning of like, okay, let's be real in the afternoon of like <laughs> what scent I want to wear that day really boosts my mood. It um, does. It's just yeah. like another, you know, stimul- stimulus. It's just nice. It just kind of feels like I'm I'm getting ready for the day. I'm I'm doing something for myself. Treat yourself. So some of the scents that I have ordered from Scentbird, I have a bunch, but some of my favorites are um, Clinique Happy, mm. so classic. Love Throwback. that one. Glossier, you. We love everything oh. Glossier. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite lately that I've been wearing is the Rag and Bone Neroli scent. Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous. That sounds so nice. I'm so into Scentbird. I just love it. Yeah. So get 30% off your first month today. That's only $10 for your first fragrance. Go to scentbird.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, and use our promo code gals for 30% off your first month. That means your first perfume or cologne is just 10 bucks. Again, that is scentbird.com slash gals, S-C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com slash gals <laughs> to, <laughs> to sign up and use our promo code gals. Sign on, smell amazing, treat your scent. Treat it. So this is basically going to be just another like Ted Bundy movie-esque rant. I'm ready. You had a lot of rants lately. Are you okay? I, I mean, no. None of us no, are okay. I need an outlet. <laughs> There's no such thing as a stupid question, but that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one is okay. Not okay. This I've is built my this podcast empire for this moment to just for let it this out. Purpose. To get my feels out. Yep. I'm right <laughs> there with you. Also, um, NPR has done some really incredible reporting on this, so shout out to them. I got a lot of my information from NPR and also from Rolling Stone, and all of our sources will be on the website. So we are going to start off by discussing Richard Burr, the senior senator from North Carolina, who is Yay. Shocker. I feel like I hate him. A Republican. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But he's like yeah. a real big asshole, isn't he? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. And we're okay. going to get to why. Okay. Well, we're going to get to a handful of the reasons why. One there of are the so reasons. many reasons. Just one of the reasons mm-hmm. why. We only have time for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This could be its own podcast. 
I'm trying to think of quippy names for hating on Richard Burr podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what you, chaps my ass? Richard Burr. <laughs> chaps the podcast. my ass. <laughs> okay, we need to create a podcast called Chaps My Ass. Um, <laughs> okay, so Burr is the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is kind of one of the big ones. Yep, pretty important. And uh, this committee started receiving daily coronavirus expert briefings as early as in January. Mm-hmm. And these were closed door briefings, not open to the public. I thought I heard. And again, there's a lot of like speculation around this. And I do bandwagon on some of these like fucking conspiracy theories, but I heard that they had information as early as November of 2019. I also heard that, um, but this is what I could substantiate, that they Mm. were getting these daily briefings starting in January. That makes sense. Uh, Obviously, like, COVID-19, it's called 19 because it originated in 2019. 2019, yep. I think that's Not because it's the 19th of its kind, okay, people? Mm Mm-hmm. I think that some intelligence organization knew about it and was like circulating memos about it in November 2019. But who knows if this, like Kenyon said, the Senate Intelligence Committee had daily daily briefings about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But I feel like daily briefings, pretty serious, started in January. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything daily except like maybe poop. Maybe I shit. Yeah, yeah. I shit. Yeah, I eat. Brush and I my shit teeth daily. Mm-hmm. I don't brush my hair daily. Not even close. No. I wash I my hands my for twenty seconds with hot so- mm-hmm. hot water and soap every day. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. multiple times, but right. yes. Okay, so then on February twenty seventh, Senator Burr attended a luncheon of the Capitol Hill Club. Which is an Ish. elite, yeah, an elite coterie of business types, many of whom donated to Burr's election campaigns. Ick. Shocker. In fact, some of the companies represented at this luncheon had donated over $100,000 to Burr in recent years for mm-hmm. his like re-election. Like Kirsten said, we do not, we're not in the business of questioning people's motives, I am. but <laughs> she's not I in am. the business. Yeah. But I think it's always smart when you are trying to make election decisions. If you don't know much about the people on your ballot, follow the money. Mm-hmm. Also, Fucking I just want to put it out the there money. that Senator Cinema was not involved in any of the cases this week. She came. She did the interview. She does not know about or necessarily endorse everything that I'm saying from here on out. Yeah. She has no knowledge of what we're talking about, which is why her communications director did not let her participate in the rest of this episode. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so it's, it's so, just us. Just us. So this particular luncheon was organized by the Tar Heel Club, which charges an annual, mem- annual membership fees of up to $10,000. To be Whoa. a member of this club. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hmm Let me... It's not worth it. Yeah. Insider tip. <laughs> not worth it. Actually, for insider tips, it's more than worth it, and we will get to it. So at this figurative smoky back room, Senator Burr, who up until that point in his public statements to his constituents had played down the threat of the virus... 
like in line with Trump. Well, Mm -hmm. let's just say that he changed his tune behind the curtain. Mm Mm-hmm. Sell your stocks. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Using his privileged position of access to actual information from experts about the impending pandemic, Burr warned, quote, there's one thing I can tell you about this. It is much more aggressive in its transmission than anything we have seen in recent history. It is probably more akin to the 1918 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So he fucking knew. He knew. And said this to other influential people. To business leaders that donated mm. to his re-election campaigns. Who purchased yeah, other this information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Essentially. Mm-hmm. His comments to the club were captured in a secret recording. Classic. Burr also warned the, quote, business leaders, so his fucking rich friends and political donors, about the likelihood of mass school closures Mm -hmm. and cautioned them not to let any employees travel abroad in the short term. Wow, he's a soothsayer. Wow, wow. wow. (laughs) These warnings came two full weeks before the State Department issued travel warnings and before the administration temporarily banned travel from Europe into the United States. So it was literally mm-hmm. two weeks. I know exactly when it was. It was like every life was still completely normal then in mm-hmm. the U.S. And Yeah, but Italy was fucking... Right. Falling. Italy was just starting... Like, you have to really think back to exactly when this was. It was Mm -hmm. two weeks before Italy really was popping off. That is a different lifetime. That is... Yeah. I'm trying to think back to what I did for Valentine's Day. I literally don't know. It was three months ago. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This was the day before Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was... We were... I... I know exactly. I was in Florida. Yeah, we went away for a weekend uh, to an Airbnb. It was completely different. This was not even on our radar. Yeah, Bill and I were in Florida, and we had been, we'd heard about coronavirus, and we even we saw a cruise ship off in the distance. We were like, "Oh shit!" Did you hear about that cruise ship in Japan that's like completely quarantined because of coronavirus? We were like, "Wow, that would suck!" And then went about Mm -hmm. our day, yeah, surrounded by thousands of people on a boardwalk in Florida, like drinking out of a coconut. Yeah, a month. One month after this, I flew to the U.S. To, yeah. For us to go on our fucking tour. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just to give context of when this happened. Quote, all of this came from the senator on the very same day that Trump was telling Americans that COVID-19 is, quote, going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Ish. One day, four years from now, after we have a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And diligently continue social distancing. Mm-hmm. Jesus. What, at what point did he call it a hoax? Was that in like December? Oh, no. This was like, this was full on hoax time. Well, he, it was a hoax before he said it would disappear. Trump said it was a hoax like in late January, early February, I would say. Yeah, and then I this thought was mid February. Af- yeah, after the it'll disappear thing. Because I feel like in his mind, he was commenting on like how much it's being blown up in the media. And that's what he was saying. You know, like the severity of it is a hoax. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt in that one detail where it's like, okay, obviously he knows this virus is real, but 
as people are starting to get more and more concerned and he's trying to downplay it, he throws fucking words out like that. I don't think he knows what the fuck he's talking about. I don't necessarily think he I does don't either, know. but he's there was just like a piece there of were shit. a handful of cases in the US at this time. Right. But don't worry, Senator Burr didn't just warn his buddies while leaving his constituents to fend for themselves and the virus to continue to spread like wildfire unimpeded in his state. No. <laughs> Lil Dicky Burr was quite busy in the Ish. months. Ish. <laughs> Leading up to the U.S. Ish. outbreak, I Dickie, so little Dicky, right away with with words, with names, Dicky, little Dicky Burr, by little Dicky Burr. I'm so upset. Between <laughs> late January and mid February, most of this occurred on February 13th. Burr sold off more than $1.7 million worth of stocks. Mm-hmm. On a whim, I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> Some reports list a slightly different figure of $1.56 million. Um, I believe his wife sold off an additional, like, over $600,000 worth of stocks at the same time. So that might account for the disparity. Also, like, the numbers aren't crystal clear because the disclosure forms that senators have to give are like ranges of numbers, not exact Mm -hmm. numbers. Yeah. You you didn't see a receipt. Yeah. But like over, let's, let's be very generous and say 1.5 million. (sighs) Many of the couple's holdings were in companies in the hospitality industry, which was one of the hardest Mm -hmm. hit industries by Mm. the pandemic. Quinky dink. This lucky sell-off represented a sizable portion of the Burr's overall stock portfolio and indeed net worth. Uh, so it's not like just it's not like he's a billionaire and 1.7 million is like nothing to him. Like it's this peanuts, was, yeah. This, this is like his money. A lot of stock, yeah. Yeah. And it was also very unusual trading behavior for him. So the, the sell-off took place over 33 separate transactions spanning multiple <laughs> weeks. Okay. And this normal. Not suspicious at all. <laughs> and like some people, you know, maybe you're a very active trader. Maybe you trade stocks every day. And so 33 transactions over a month ain't maybe. no thing. But this was in stark contrast to Burr's typical stock trading behavior. Right. Which could be characterized as highly inactive. Yeah, he always walks facing forward, but now for 33 days in a row, he's going to walk backwards. Yeah. But we're not going to notice that this is happening because, you know, maybe he just felt like walking backwards for 33 days. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So over the past eight years, he had typically conducted about three trades per quarter. Uh-huh. <laughs> you fucking idiot. So this is a more than 11-fold increase, I think. I can't do math, but I think. You nailed it. Is that right? Who cares? I don't think it matters. Whatever. It's a big <laughs> increase from his typical trading behavior. And managing to sell this much stock before the market fucking nosedived was... Mm-hmm. Quite the coup for old Dicky. Stop. Burr had <laughs> hitherto displayed. <laughs> I use old Dicky now. 
Uh, I hate that you're a little dicky person now. It's very upsetting. I love a little dicky. I think, except he did a song with what's his name, and I can't condone that. Oh, I like Lil Dicky. He has that TV show I like. Wait, Lil Dicky is an actual thing? Yeah, Lil Dicky is a he's the rapper rapper. with that that Hulu show Dave that I told you to watch because I think it's so funny. Is he problematic? Yes, he did a song with. R. Kelly? No. No, the other one. The one who punched Rihanna. Chris Brown? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. After uh, the Rihanna one? thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like recent, like this year. Oh, God damn it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Burr had hitherto displayed a quote lousy performance as a stock trader. His stocks <laughs> his stocks have typically lost value on average by 6% compared to industry averages each year. So he's not good at the stock market. Which like then he's not good at hiring the person to manage his stocks because right. It, none of us are really expected to, as just run-of-the-mill individuals, really understand the stock market. But you should be putting your money in the hands of people who know what the fuck they're doing. And like, come on, Dickie, get your shit together. Hire whoever your financial manager is and get a new one who fucking understands the stock market. Because clearly, mm-hmm. you were not crushing it but until you hit this jackpot. But what's so important is that like he, there's evidence that like, he was executing these trades himself. Mm, okay. So Senator Burr has called the reporting investigating into his sketchy ass, quote, a hit job. Ugh, God, that's like every Republican man's favorite mm-hmm. fucking thing to say. When mm-hmm. talking about something like NPR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> NPR, really in the business of hit jobs. Mm-hmm. Smear campaigns are their <laughs> number one priority. Mudslinging. And he also claimed that he based his trades on publicly available information at the time and definitely had nothing to do with his fucking personalized briefings on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Okay, sure, sure. Those people should not be allowed to own stock. Agreed, because it just allows corporations to buy politicians. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of... We shouldn't even have a stock market. What is the stock market? (laughs) Well, I don't want to not have a stock market because, like, my Roth IRA is important. But this Mm -hmm. is fucked up. Yeah. Really fucked up. So uh, there's kind of a growing chorus of people saying that lawmakers should not be allowed Mm -hmm. to own individual stocks or trade them. I feel like in other developed countries, they're not. I don't know. Or at least there are serious limitations or on what they're allowed. Yeah, I don't know what the exact laws are, but like a lot of folks will put their assets in a blind trust, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, much better. And then they really don't have anything to do with the day-to-day decisions. Mm -hmm. And also like Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has called for a ban on members of Congress owning stocks. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like a very clear conflict of interest. It yeah. absolutely is. I just don't absolutely. understand the argument otherwise, other than they're an American citizen and they should be able to participate in the economy like everybody else. But like, yeah, you're not like everybody else. You're an elected official. No. Well, yeah. you get to make decisions about this particular company and its survival mm-hmm. and indeed its value. So like it's I, automatic insider trading. 
Exactly. And I have a question that might be stupid, but again, I don't understand like the stock market in any capacity. We are prepared to not be able to answer this question for you. Fire away. Does every country have a stock market? I doubt it. I think it varies and that it's both because there's a global stock market anywhere that has like industry, you can, I'm fairly certain you can participate in like being a shareholder for that industry. And the stock market is, is like, it's localized in the sense that you can invest in companies that are like stateside, but you can also invest in like international business. Well, there's, there are stock exchanges, which is like Mm -hmm. the physical manifestation of like where you go to buy and sell stocks. I think that's what Lucy is asking. Does every country have a stock exchange? Mm, Is that what you're asking? I didn't think that was what you were asking. Does a person in any country that is at all industrialized have theoretically a right to purchase stock? Like access to stock. I think people... Anywhere in the world, unless there are sanctions, can purchase stock in in the New York Stock Exchange, in the Dow, in the you know whatever right. different different stock exchanges. But I don't believe that every single country has its own has its own stock exchange. exchange. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Okay, I get it. That yeah. does make sense. Again, um, I barely understand the stock market. That so. is my understanding, and direct your emails to Derek. Yeah, mm-hmm. just don't email us. I, I'm not going to care about this in about in <laughs> 40 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> in 40 sips of wine, I will mm. not care or remember oh, that this happened. I moved to vodka. The wine wasn't nice. doing it. I am mm. drinking vodka. <laughs> so in 2012, Congress passed the Stock Act which made it illegal for lawmakers to use inside information for financial benefit. So basically like, oh, okay, in- I'll just close off that part of my brain. Right? Exactly. Like, how do you even fucking enforce that? Yeah. Oh, that's so frustrating. In this scenario in particular, it's like impossible to enforce. It's so All annoying. All is is a vanity law to make, to appease constituents into thinking that it's going to have any effect yeah. when it actually doesn't and there's no way to fucking regulate that. That is yeah. insane. None. I hate everything else. The yeah. only way to regulate this is to not allow elected officials to own stock, like mm-hmm. in this capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So obviously Lil Dicky has some splaining to do. Ish. But... He is the, like, in his defense, which, like, this is the most defense I could possibly muster because he should fucking resign. He is the only lawmaker under scrutiny right now to request a Senate ethics committee review, ostensibly to clear his name. So he has been like, I didn't know. This is all public information and I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, exactly. So the following fuckers haven't even done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is not just him. This is like a handful of senators that have done this. Yep. So I'm sure by this point you've heard rumblings about Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia. This bitch. Mm-hmm. Another surprise Republican. She's basically insider fucking trading Barbie. There is a photo <laughs> on the drive. Yeah. Yeah. She's... Blonde Mm -hmm. and severe. Mm. 
And what she did was perhaps even more blatant than than Burr. It's kind of, they're kind of neck and neck. So it was initially reported that between January 24th and February 14th, Loeffler and her husband, who just happens to be the fucking chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, honey, don't shit where you eat. Oh, my God. That's not cute. They sold off between $1.275 and $3.1 million worth of stocks between Mm. January 24th and February 14th. I'd love that money. Right? She does have great hair. Can you even She's got great hair and a lot of money. Her hair is fine. Her highlights are Awful. Highlights are terrible, but yeah. like are, now she girl, can afford better highlights. Yeah, you right? can afford a balayage by a professional. Why are you her getting chunky highlights? And her chunky highlights remind me of me in eighth grade with my mm-hmm. butterfly clips perfectly yeah. secured to each individual highlight to showcase each different blonde streak. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were clip ons. Oh, vividly. I know you know what I'm talking about. Eighth grade? Come on. Sixth. Mm-hmm. Seventh. Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty much all of middle school. And then by ninth grade, I went to Fire Engine Red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. And dyed my eyebrows to match. Yeah, you dyed your eyebrows red. <laughs> like an inhuman red. It was, it was an exciting uh, time for everyone what, involved. What if you had given your eyebrows the same chunky highlights? <laughs> Balayage eyebrows. Oh, it's coming. I love it. Somebody draw that, please. Thank you. All right. So initially, it's believed they they sold off up to $3.1 million worth of stocks in these few weeks. Mm -hmm. But more recent reports allege that the couple actually sold off much, much more stock. I don't even know if I want to know. before the market crash to the tune of $18.7 million. Oh, okay. Now she has no excuse for that hair. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can like feed everyone in America on mm-hmm. that kind of money. That's yeah. disgusting. Fuck you. They also purchased <laughs> very highly specific stocks during this time period. So they mm-hmm. purchased between $450,000 and $1 million worth of stocks, including in a company called Citrix, which... Yeah, didn't uh, she invest in, like, PPE and shit, too? I don't know about the PPE, but I know for a fact that they invested in this company that specializes in virtual networking software. Oh, that's right. Oh, my that's God. Right. Maybe She's it was somebody else. She's a fucking else. idiot, and so is her husband. Uh-huh. Talk about What's like so a funny too cookie is like they, crumb trail straight to your right? asshole. Oh and my they God. think they're so <laughs> clever. Like they mm-hmm. think they're so smart and they're just like laughing until they cry and then mopping their tears with like $100 bills. Mo- with thousand billion dollar bills. 
There are not. There aren't going to be any consequences for this bitch. None. You guys None. realize and that, like, right? You may as well just laugh your ass off because that's absolutely right. Like yeah. everyone's going to be outraged for a day, and then no fucking laws are going to change. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to happen to these people, yeah. and that's why that's, Burr is like, hold this committee hearing, blah blah blah, because he mm-hmm. knows that he's not going to fucking have any issue yeah. because of this. That's why yeah. they didn't try to hide this because they don't fucking no. have to because they it's don't give a perfectly shit. legal. Uh, mm-hmm. So this particular stock that they bought so much of during this key period has experienced a 15% increase in value since the crisis began. So they are sitting pretty. Mm-hmm. Loeffler, who is the Senate's newest member, she was literally sworn in in January and then started all of this shit like less than three weeks later because uh, she, she came in during a special election claims that she had nothing to do with any of the trades and that she and her husband used a third-party financial advisor for all of these trades. Isn't I'm just that a easily proven. Woman. I'm sure they have a third-party advisor. I'm sure right, they but have, they still have a say. I'm sure they have a suite of different advisors. Her but husband... But you don't think that she's not bringing in information that she's getting from these closed-door meetings and being like, hey, let's talk to our financial advisor because I heard this at work today. Yeah. Her husband is also the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. She's sharing information she's getting on, like, a very elite level yeah. before the general public gets it and while maybe I mean Lucy you said before that it's quote perfectly legal I mean it's not really it's insider Mm -hmm. trading it's privileged information that they're Mm -hmm. using yeah but it also is like such a fucking gray area Mm -hmm. that it's just they're not gonna they're not gonna see consequences the way that they did it though like you said there are no consequences so in that respect perfectly legal there's mm-hmm. no way to prove. There's no real way to prove this other than us looking at a timeline and looking at what happened, and knowing and but knowing there won't be any that they had that information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She also Kelly Loeffler. Her previous career was as a finance and investor relations executive. Ugh, that's how the rich. That's how she met her husband. Like she, this is her world. She completely understands all of this shit. It's not right. like she there's knew no what the plausible deniability. Doing. Yeah, it's not like she, they she, had she, all of their stocks and uh, options and everything in the hands of a third party no, finance she, no. person with absolutely no say. It's no, their she's careers. Not, She's yeah. not sliding a mountain of money across the table and just shrugging and going, I don't know, make it bigger, and then yeah. walking away. Yeah. Like, she fucking knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, this is her This was her fucking career until th- January. So, uh, I'm the one sliding a pile of money across the table and going, I don't know, make it bigger. <laughs> I'm the one sliding That's a tiny I'm pile doing. of money across the table and going, I don't know, how much of my make student loans bigger. will this affect? None? Great. I'm the one saying, um, what's the stock market? It's <laughs> <laughs> a problem. It's a problem. Oh, I have a degree, I swear. It's just in English, so, you know. (laughs) So, Loeffler did not execute any trades throughout most of January Mm -hmm. until... all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah. Until January 24th, 
when she received a coronavirus briefing from health experts, including Dr. Anthony Fauci. Mm-hmm. And then she started trading. Ugh. I can't. To really rub salt in the wound, Kelly Loeffler sits on the Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. Yay! <laughs> I mean, she's such a financial whiz. Why wouldn't she? Mm-hmm. Health and pensions. Loeffler and her husband have announced that they will be divesting from individual stocks in an effort to move beyond the distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, number one, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Remember when Trump said that he was going to divest and blah, blah, blah? Yeah, and I wonder when that will happen. Literally <laughs> never happened. Mm-hmm. And two, you already fucking committed the crime. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. Okay, last but not least, before any of our three remaining Republican listeners have a <laughs> full-on conniption, yes, I am getting to Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. Mm-hmm. So Feinstein, who is the senator from California... Her husband, who is an investment banker, also sold off a lot of stock in February between $1.5 and $6 million worth of shares. So a lot of Uh, stock. You know, just being rich and shitty is enough for me to hate you, even if you are a Democrat. Being rich and (laughs) shitty is a bipartisan issue. Yeah, like being rich is great. Just don't be rich and shitty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing to note, however, is that, and again, I know this is going to come off as very partisan, but like these, these the facts, okay? All of the shares that they sold off were in one company, mm-hmm. which was called Allogene Therapeutics, which is a biotech company. And this company's stocks had already been declining for months. And mm-hmm. they were sold off at an almost all-time low. So at least in this situation, you could reasonably infer that they were selling the stock because the, the stock yeah. was declining. It wasn't necessarily was- opportunistic insider trading. It probably was, but... I mean, it might have been, but by all accounts, the stock was not doing well. They fucking sold it at an almost all-time low. Then mm-hmm. the stock actually briefly rose in value after they sold it. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't think that selling stock in a biotech company would necessarily be the right move. move. Right, like wouldn't you want to be investing in a company like that at a time like this? Right. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So they, it's not like they made money, at least in the short term, by selling this stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the long term, selling any stock would be good before all of this shit hit the fan. But this, it just is not as egregious to me. And it feels like there are like extenuating circumstances where like they just wanted to like not be invested in this particular company anymore instead mm-hmm. of Loeffler who, or Burr who were like, oh no, the the hospitality industry. Right. Is going to take a huge hit. Let's sell. Are all three of these senators on the Senate Intelligence Committee? No. Burr is, but uh, I don't know about Feinstein, but Burr is, and Loeffler is not on the Intelligence Committee, but she had been on a committee that got briefings. Okay. 
So she still was in the know. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. Okay. Also, Senator Feinstein's personal assets are in a blind trust over which she has no control. But again, this is her husband selling his shares, so it's a little mm-hmm. bit different. The Justice Department has launched a probe into the lawmakers' suspicious stock trades, although given the fact that Attorney General Bill fucking Barr leads the Justice Department, I fucking doubt that this will amount to anything. Literally nothing. He's also suing uh, states that are imposing lockdown measures. I read that today. Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane. Mm-hmm. Also, the reason why governors are trying to reopen their economies is because if something goes bankrupt, but it had full rights to, like, be open and doing business, and they don't qualify for, like, bailouts and free government Mm -hmm. money. That's Mm -hmm. the only reason these governors want to reopen things is because then that the people's lack of money is not a problem of the government's. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. It's fucking wild. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the economy because most people are still going to be staying inside and staying cautious. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So there are demands for many of these senators to resign, although there are no signs that they will actually do so because no. people are fucking shameless. Although if you care about this, the best thing you can do is to call and write to your senators and be like, Mm -hmm. please demand the resignation of X, Y, and Z because this is fucking Mm -hmm. bullshit. And also, like, vote. And vote. But (laughs) in the short term, call your senators. And I think that it is often forgotten that if you are in in a privileged position to be able to contribute to campaigns, you don't, you're not limited to contributing to campaigns that are just in your state. That's true. You know, like I, I've, I've been seeing a lot on social media of people who are expanding their interests in not just like their state senator or like their Congress people, mm-hmm. but also looking at who is running against these fucking really problematic assholes that are currently sitting in these positions, and I've, going out and supporting those campaigns in any way that they can. I've been donating fifteen dollars a month to whomever challenges Susan Collins. Mm-hmm. It's like donating to public radio. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to live in that state. Nope. Yeah. It still benefits you it's all to good. contribute. So as of this recording, North Carolina, so where Senator Burr represents, has 7,220 confirmed COVID-19 cases and 242 deaths. Well, mm-hmm. Georgia, where Senator Loeffler represents has 20,740 cases and 836 deaths. Holy shit. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who also stole the 2018 election from Stacey Abrams through fucking voter suppression, but, like, that's Uh, another episode. Which is basically the tactic of, like, every Republican elected Mm -hmm. official Mm -hmm. throughout history, but whatever. But we don't have to talk about that. Has also announced plans to reopen the state despite dire warnings from health officials that it is too early to do so and will cause an exponential increase in cases slash death spike. Also, am I wrong, but Georgia has like the highest death and infection rate right now? Well, besides New York. 
it's pretty high. I don't know if it's the highest. Yeah, New York's at the top. Washington, Washington State is also quite high. And New Orleans and Louisiana is pretty bad. But it, Georgia's going to be... By the time this airs, I would not be surprised. Could be yeah. up there. It does it's shift every fucking like, day. It's in like the top 10, I would imagine. Yeah. And Trump has praised this move because he is a yeah. craven idiot. A liberate Minnesota. <gasps> All right. Did we both so just make the same noise? Yeah, we did. We're, um, we're, we're, can, we're at a loss. Can I just say one more thing? This whole of time course. I've been coloring a coloring sheet. That's like mm-hmm. a beautiful floral background. And then in script oh. across the front, it says COVIDiot. Yes. Mm. <laughs> How apropos of it this is. episode. You're nailing it. Thank you. Mm. Well, let's take a quick uh, anger break and hear a nice word from our sponsors and then I'll round it out with some lighthearted fodder. How's that sound? Uh, I like that. Yes, please. Great. I knew going into this, Kenny yeah. literally offered me, she's like, I found this really dark case that you could cover if you want. And I was like, uh-huh. And then knew exactly <laughs> the direction she was going to go and went, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to balance that bitch out sometimes. Got to balance it all out. <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I'm your na- friendly neighborhood Libra here to balance out this <laughs> <laughs> I mean, totally. fair, fair enough. Hey, we all work together beautifully. This is just one of the ways. Mm, all right. All right. We want to take a minute to tell you about one of our favorite true crime podcasts, Crime Lines. So Crime Lines is a one-host show. Host Charlie talks to the audience really conversationally, so you feel like you're listening to a friend talk about true crime over coffee instead of wine, so it's not quite as messy as our show. (laughs) Uh, The weekly episodes are about 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes a little bit more, so you know that you're like getting the full story and not just one perspective. It kind of goes in depth. And then Charlie also keeps like a really clear timeline through each episode, which makes it really easy to follow even the more complicated cases, which I really like because I think some true crime podcasts, it can be, they kind of assume that you know stuff about the case that you might not know going in. So this one is just like really easy to follow each case. On the third Thursday of every month, Crime Lines releases a bonus episode. And I love this on missing and murdered indigenous women and girls cases. I mean, how that's... It's such an important topic that deserves way more attention than it has gotten up until this point. I also love that Charlie works with a Native American researcher and also the families of victims to make sure that the coverage is really respectful and culturally aware. I just think that's so important. And Crime Lines just does a really good job with very difficult subject matter like that. And now you can jump in on an after show where Charlie discusses recent episodes with her audience in a weekly live stream. So you don't have to just passively listen to the podcast. You can also like discuss the case with the host after. It's great. I I really admire that dedication. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of work. So some recent episodes that Crime Lines has covered include Lori Vallow and the disappearance of her children, J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan, uh, the crimes of Franklin Delano Floyd, the death of Crow teenager Kaysera Stops Pretty Places, and also Lady of the Dunes Jane Doe. So search for Crime Lines, one word, 
in your favorite podcast app and hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Again, that is Crime Lines. Tune in. You will not be sorry. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I wanted to go a little lighthearted, and as I was scouring the internet for crimes committed during this pandemic, I found myself torn between the frustration of their, like, not being enough juicy crime fodder for me, and then the devastating tragedies that have occurred, though yep. there are thankfully few like a husband and wife, I think in Kansas, it was a murder-suicide because the husband thought they both had COVID-19 <gasps> and then shot her and himself. And no. then an autopsy a couple of days later showed that they were both negative oh, for the virus. Oh, my God. No. Yeah, 59 years old. Isn't that just so... I was like, nope, these are not the kind of cases I want to cover. No. No. So the no. state of the world right now is sad enough, so I wanted to go a little bit more lighthearted Thank and you. focus <laughs> on the more ridiculous side in my segment. Sort of a COVID gack headlines, uh, short dives into a handful of the dumbest things that folks have done so far during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. I'd like to begin with this absolute fucking moron in a Missouri Walmart in what, to him, must have felt like a valiant attempt to scoff in the face of corona. He took out his phone and recorded himself in the deodorant aisle asking, quote, who's scared of coronavirus? Don't touch your mouth. And then proceeding to lull his disgraceful tongue no. out of his mouth and lick an entire row of deodorant sticks. It's like the ice cream licker, but worse what? because who oh, we'll licks deodorant? It. What was we'll that get to the proving, ice cream licker. Though. Basically that he's like not afraid of coronavirus. By contaminating other people? Everyone else, yeah. Yeah, no one else has licked that deodorant, brah. As far as we know, I don't know. I have no faith in humanity anymore. Was he licking the deodorant itself or just the containers? Like a blue? The containers. Okay. You could, there's a photo on the drive of him doing it. Like it's a screenshot from the video. The video went viral pretty quickly, first being shared to Snapchat and then making its way to Twitter. Police say they received calls about this douchebag from literally all over the world. <laughs> Fortunately, this absolute shit stain was arrested and charged. In a fiery segment on British sensation Pierce Morgan's show, uh, he demanded this loser be arrested and denied health care should he contract the virus. And I gotta say, I kinda agree. It's always good oh, to deny health care to folk. Yeah, it's a good it's a good move. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, maybe some people should just sign away their right to health care if they're going to fucking act yeah. like this. Have you seen that little coupon? I sent yeah. it yes. to Amanda that was like, you know, put For your signature here. Yeah, it's like kind of written in sort of a tongue-in-cheek way that's like, demonstrate your patriotism by signing away your right to health care. So that people who are yeah. actually trying not to get sick and like are forced can get a to fucking work yeah. and get a ventilator can be prioritized. Yeah, I mean, the, the dark part of me is like, yup, fuck you. But Warrington police said in a Facebook post, quote, a local resident who took a video of themselves licking the merchandise after making a coronavirus statement at Walmart and posting it to social media has been taken into custody. Charges will be pending through the Warren County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. This particular video, which, we, which won't be shared here, 
has gained some international attention, and we have received numerous reports about the video from locals, nearby residents, as well as people from the Netherlands, Ireland, and the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. We take these complaints very seriously and would like to thank all of those who reported the video so the issue could be addressed. So like I said, he was arrested and charged with second-degree terroristic threats, which is a felony, and I wanted to save his name for last because I just cannot. This dude is 26 years old, and his name is Cody Lee Fister. (laughs) 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 If if anyone should be washing their hands for 20 seconds, (laughs) it's Cody Lee Fister. Fister. (laughs) Fister. Cody Fister. Cody Fister. Cody P. Fister. Cody P. Fister. Oh no! We only had to ins like change two letters in his entire name to make Cody P. Fister or Cody P. Fister. Is this also him licking a toilet seat? No, and we'll get to him right now. Yeah, this absolutely brilliant social media influencer always also wanted to make a video statement, laughing in the face of the threat of coronavirus. TikTok sensation Lars proved that I am right to ignore the TikTok fad by engaging in a gross out prank in which he licks a public toilet bowl to take part in the viral quote coronavirus challenge. I've seen I've seen different like Instagram girls do that as well. It's fucking disgusting. Mm -hmm. Days later, the 21 year old Beverly Hills moron tweets quote (laughs) I tested positive for coronavirus. (laughs) From a hospital bed. Oh, I shouldn't laugh, but I'm laughing. Well, We're allowed to laugh at he's this He's recovered. You can laugh at this asshole. Okay. And this wasn't Lars's, who goes by gay Sean Mendez on social media. Oh, okay. First gross out rodeo. Uh. In an appearance on Dr. Phil... Lars confessed to having pulled pranks like this before, once pulling tubs of ice cream <gasps> out of a grocery store oh freezer, my God, I know licking this guy. several, and returning them to the shelves. I know this guy Why? because yep. of Dr. Phil. Why yep. can't he stop licking things in public? Get- it's his only stint. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh. So it appears that I will be sanitizing my groceries long after COVID-19 subsides because monsters like this exist and are allowed to leave the house and, like, shop and, like, vote. Ick. Oh. I'm so upset. Yeah, this guy can vote. Just a reminder, this guy can vote, so y'all need to go vote. Oh, yeah. man. Wow. Offset. What's his name? The liquor. Yeah. Lars the yep. liquor. Gay Lars mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. Yep. <laughs> in fact, in fact, should we still be encouraged to wear masks in public come voting season and you do not have the option to vote by mail? If you pledge to me that you will fucking vote, I will make you a mask that you can wear to the polls and I yeah. will mail it to you. I will personally make you one if you fucking promise me that you're going to fucking go vote. You're about to get gonna, a lot of emails. I don't care. It's worth it. It's worth it because yeah. I'm going to be putting on my PPE and I'm going to go vote early so that I can do it like because Minnesota offers that, which is great and I'm very grateful for that, but so that I can go do it in less of a crowd. But like... This is really scary times, and it's Mm -hmm. really dangerous to go out and vote, and it's really dangerous to not vote. So we have to find a way to do it safely, and I fucking am promising you right now, if you need a mask to go vote, and you promise me you're going to fucking vote, I will make you one. 
I bought emails uh, to you. You're a hero. Yeah, I love that. I I'm not a, a hero. I'm just mad. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a mask that says vote in massive mm-hmm. letters across it. I'm very excited yeah. about it. Okay, so next on my list, this is one of my faves. An incredible thread on Reddit polled pharmacy workers specifically, but if anyone here is familiar with Reddit, like a lot of people who don't actually work in pharmacies still respond to these threads. But anyway, they were asking what were some of the stupidest things that they've seen so far during the COVID panic, like working in a pharmacy or a convenience store. And here are some of my favorite answers, including using condoms instead of gloves on fingers and hands. (laughs) I mean... One condom on your whole hand? Yeah. (laughs) Not... Like on, on like two fingers to open a door. No. Not ineffective... It's pretty stupid, though. What yeah. if it's lubricated? <laughs> it, they're like all lubricated. It's really weird and gross. I don't like it. Just what if wash it's your fucking the hands. If you don't have gloves, just wash your fucking hands. Yeah, um, actually, t- washing just keeping clean hands is more mm-hmm. sanitary usually mm-hmm. than wearing gloves. Yeah, I just I use gloves to if I have to go to the store. That's when I use gloves, like to go pick up my prescriptions, and then I dispose of them properly in a garbage can. Mm-hmm. And you don't reuse them, nor do you eat you Cheetos out them. of the bag while oh, wearing your gloves. Your, or use your finger to, or your mouth to bite the tip of the glove to remove it so you can text on your phone. That viral <laughs> photo has been amazing. Yep. Anyway, rabbit holes abound. Okay, so the next one is someone bought Tito's vodka trying to make their own hand sanitizer and Tito's vodka had to put, like so many people were doing this, that Tito's vodka had to put out a press release a couple days ago telling people not to use their vodka to make DIY hand sanitizer because Tito's vodka is only 40% and you need minimum 60% alcohol (laughs) to have it be effective. Also, what a waste of really good vodka. Agreed. Yeah, there's like no alcohol on the market, like consumable, drinkable alcohol that can be turned into hand sanitizer. And also... That's not true. Everclear. Well, Everclear, yeah. But yeah. That's what I make my jello shots out of. Yeah, Everclear is a really high alcohol content. Perfect for jello shots and hand sanitizer. Basically lighter fluid. Drinkable. (laughs) (laughs) she stands by it and also uh there's no evidence to suggest that uv light can kill the virus like we don't yeah we basically just don't know i thought we were talking about uv vodka (laughs) i was like well yeah that's a lower alcohol content than regular vodka uv Mm -hmm. blue can kill your inhibitions but it cannot not your coronavirus coronavirus good old uv the next one is here in Australia, two people were fighting over toilet paper, so the police had to get involved and tasered them. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, not a pharmacist, but I work on a dairy farm. Hang on, hang on, it's related. <laughs> we vaccinate our calves against bovine coronavirus at birth with a vaccine containing the killed virus marketed as calf guard or scour guard 4KC. Ironic as because I- of the word vaccine. Yeah, the pot, the cow pot, the utter pus. Yeah, mm-hmm. utter pus. As I was vaccinating our newest little bull calf, I had the thought. 
I wonder if someone somewhere had the novel idea to dose themselves with veterinary vaccines to try to prevent the coronavirus. People can't be that stupid, right? It turns out they have, and they are. And it may seem like a good idea at the time, but BCOV is different from COVID-19 and can't be transmitted to humans, so it won't work uh, as the body won't recognize the antibodies in the cattle vaccines. At worst, it can cause an adverse reaction, and at best, it's wasting the resources that farmers and veterinarians need, and that stuff is expensive. And you're not a literal cow, so don't do that. You're also not a doctor, so like you're not the first person to think about this. Like epidemiologists know about calf guard, right? right. (laughs) The the, a common vaccine, yeah. They're aware. I wonder if anyone's thought of this. Yeah, I know how to beat the corona. Next one is, had a lady behind me in line go on a rant about how the virus was in the masks. China put it there so that they could sell more masks, then come out with a miracle cure for the country. I pretended to cough on her. (laughs) Dude, the number of people presuming that coronavirus is, like, created in a Chinese lab. It's like, no... Do, like, a modicum of research. Any research. here's the thing. Like, look, China, I've lived in China. There are a lot of problems with the Chinese government. I fully admit that. Oh, yeah. I do not believe for a single second the numbers that are coming out of China. Like, Mm -hmm. all of that shit is fabricated. I... We'll hand that to you. Did they try to cover up the existence of the virus in the mm-hmm. beginning? Absolutely, they did. They've also admitted to that at this yeah. point. They're also like that's public information. Yeah. I don't feel like a country that is barely able and not able in a lot of locations to provide clean water for its citizens to be coordinated enough to cover up something like this. Also, what would be the point of decimating your own economy to like mm-hmm. get back at Trump or like whatever the fuck? Yeah. It's and and so it, it, it makes no sense why they would like they're not going to try to take out the US like we are their consumers. We fuel their economy. Like none of it makes any fucking mm-hmm. sense if you like sense. actually follow the thread of the conspiracy theory. No. Um but also None of it excuses the Trump Mm -hmm. administration's choices. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, China is partially at fault, but that doesn't excuse any of your fault. And also, Mm -mm. like, I kind of believe some of the conspiracy theories about the the different, like, faulty tests and faulty masks that Mm -hmm. that China might have sold to the U.S. or given to the U.S., like— yeah, I could see that. I could see them. Yeah. Isn't a certain to do percentage that? of any product going to be faulty? Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. what's fa- what are these measurements that we're using necessarily? It's like don't zero in on that. That d- that's not shocking. I mean, a lot of the tests that the US CDC produced were faulty. So like, I think maybe they just like didn't have their shit together, but like also, well, and also like we're developing tests for a new, a novel coronavirus. So Mm -hmm. like a lot of it is guess and check and figure it out on the fly. And like, yeah, shit's not going to be profesh yet. Mm -hmm. We don't fucking know what we're doing. (laughs) We don't know what we're dealing with. Even if China did kind of creepily sell faulty, knowingly sell faulty masks to the U.S., like, which I wouldn't fully put it past them to do. 
it still doesn't excuse all of the issues. Like you can't pin Mm-mm. all of the issues of the U.S. federal response on that. Mm-mm. It might no. have made it worse, but it mm-hmm. definitely but is if, not yeah. the sole cause of everything. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Rant to Rant. be continued. Yep, to be continued. <laughs> the next one is a patient asked if he can gargle with bleach because he heard it on the internet that it would help with fighting the coronavirus. What in the world? Great. Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, yeah. Why don't you eat a Tide Pod while you're at it? Right? <laughs> a spoonful of cinnamon. Because I heard uh, on the internet that that works, too. I know. God, the fucking God. internet. I love the internet. Um, And then this last one that I loved from that thread was buying newborns size diapers to use as masks. Oh, I mean, that, that could woman work. who used her bra and then yes. it covered her whole face. God, I whole love face. that. That's so, it's so good. I felt so seen. Oh, so seen. <laughs> okay, there's more stupidity where this comes from, but this is now, we're moving on from the Reddit thread and on to something else. So this is from CNN. March 16th, the first huge wave of grocery and toilet paper hoarding had just begun and shelves were consistently empty already, especially of paper products. This had gotten so out of hand in Oregon, the Newport, Oregon Police Department had to put out a statement (laughs) begging residents to stop making emergency 911 calls to report that they themselves at their homes were out of toilet paper. (laughs) People are so dumb. Uh Uh-huh. What so it's hard to believe that we even have to post this, the police wrote. Do not call 911 just because you ran out of toilet paper. You will survive without our assistance. Oh, <laughs> my God. I just imagine a bunch of COVID Karens sitting on the toilet with an ass full of shit calling 911 because they can't wipe themselves. Yeah. Waddle over to your shower and rinse off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. T- turns out you can wash yourselves. Mm-hmm. Turns <sighs> out thousands of millions around the world. Yeah. Billions. Billions. Do not have billions never survive toilet without toilet paper and billions before like the 1900s survived yeah. without toilet paper. It's literally probably 50-50 to be honest Wash right now. Wash your ass. Mm-hmm. So obviously this crisis brings a lot of idiots out of the woodwork, especially on social media. And I, for one, have been able to delete so many people I was friends with on Facebook, mostly folks who went to like high school with us who I hadn't seen in over a decade, spouting bullshit about all of this having been a hoax or not taking it seriously, whatever. Mm. This amazing Facebook post that has gone viral had me lolling. The poster, who has been, like, blocked out, so the post is anonymous, states, quote, So now we have our first death of the U.S. from the fake China virus, and the government is telling us to wash our hands with soap? (gasps) Soap? Do we even know what's in soap? (laughs) Yeah, we We really do. do. (laughs) Turn your soap around and read the back. And you, too, will know what's in soap. Oh. This post in and of itself is amazing enough, but this person has like-minded friends, one of whom responded, quote, I believe some of the people laying dead on the ground are crisis actors, fear-mongering for people to get, quote, vaccinated and help Bill Gates buy another 50 homes. It's another David Hogg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. The vaccine is what will cause the most damage. Oh. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
So apparently Bill Gates is referenced in a lot of hoax callouts and conspiracy theories, especially around vaccines. And some articles I read attribute this connection. This is so fucking stupid. I can't even attribute this connection to a years long theory that Bill Gates intentionally makes virus prone software, which like, sure, in order to then sell antivirus software for Microsoft. Yeah, that's oh my God, kind of the same kind of virus they're merging the viruses the next natural leap for these idiots is to go from computer virus to actual virus and that is the connection to bill gates and these conspiracy theories oh my god people are so insufferably dumb it's unbelievable oh my god and this last but not least may be my personal favorite. Yes. So lots of conspiracy theories abound regarding COVID-19, stating that it's man-made or biological warfare, a democratic ploy to steal the election from Trump. I fucking uh-huh. wish. <laughs> right. But there is a theory out there that makes so little sense and seems to be sweeping the internet. I know what this is and I don't get it. 5G. Yeah. <laughs> As in the cellular network service yeah. causes coronavirus. So this, this a- one this one is like stems from like a legit conspiracy theory that like isn't even a conspiracy theory. It's just like the truth. Of- well, it's about the radiation thing about like cell phones or whatever, but they're specifically targeting 5G. No, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean the radiation thing. I don't care about that. I meant that like the Chinese government is promoting the expansion of 5G networks that they can control around the world. And then they will have a backdoor into accessing the information that is, you know, run on that network, which is the truth. Sure. Is and that, that true? Is, yes. Yes. Then that, but that, that's only, again, we'll get to it, but that's only one facet of this theory that like does hold any water. The theory mm-hmm. as a whole does not hold any water. How would China and, have access? What is, what is 5G? It's called. It, I'm trying to. It's like the fifth generation network. It's just like a higher speed data, like cellular network. Mm-hmm. So does China most, own all of operate. like the satellites that allow for five G? Oh, what does China have to do with five G around they the do world? A lot of the satellites and the networks and like Huawei, basically like anything competing with Apple, mm-hmm. they have are based in China. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, like, that tiny facet is legitimate, but also still is not connected to fucking coronavirus. I'm also willing to bet that anyone peddling 5G equals coronavirus whatever has no fucking comprehension of that entire theory. Nope. And also, we're going to get to it. Let me just fucking get to it. (laughs) No. So, this is a popular theory among (laughs) anti-vaxxers, including, and I am so fucking disappointed, Woody Harrelson and John Cusack, who have both showed (gasps) support of the 5G theory. The Hollywood elite. (laughs) Well, they're like both anti-vaxxers, which is so fucking sad. Woody Harrelson? John Mm -hmm. Cusack? I have such a man crush on him and his space apart teeth. 
It's a bummer. In some hotspots around the world, including in the UK, folks are fighting back against 5G by destroying cell phone towers. (laughs) From a GQ article written by Alex Schultz, quote, the theory alleges a direct link between 5G equipment and the COVID-19 outbreak. Some telecoms employees have been harassed on the street for laying down 5G fiber optic cable. In one video viewed more than 2 million times, a woman confronts the workers about what they're doing, saying they're going to, quote, kill everyone Mm. when they're finished with their task. Many of the cell towers that have been destroyed, by the way, were actually for 3G and 4G service. Yep. This article nails it and gives a comprehensive review of where this asinine theory came from. So I'm just going to continue to quote this. Fears about mobile phones and cell towers have existed for years, especially concerns about whether they can cause cancer. There's currently no conclusive evidence to support this theory. Now, as 5G networks have begun rolling out in dozens of countries, fears have renewed and the ongoing pandemic has introduced a new set of interrelated conspiracies amplified by prominent celebrities and influencers. So how did we get here? There are three main conspiracies centered on 5G, two of which implicate COVID-19 as well, but none of which have any evidence to substantiate them. The many, the first conspiracy is that 5G causes COVID-19, or at least the symptoms of COVID-19. Ridiculous. Yeah. Many believers of this particular conspiracy do not believe the virus exists at all. Oh, great. That's safe. Cool. Yeah. In this, safe is, for our in this sense... So safe. In this sense, 5G and COVID-19 are more or less the same thing. 5G COVID-19 <laughs> slash COVID-19 is a biological weapon, and it's being released in part via 5G cell towers as a global depopulation campaign by the leaders of the New World Order. I mean, it makes Classic. sense. I'm Maybe. <laughs> I want to dive into the New World Order because like... Don't. Just go to the Denver airport and hang out. Basically just anti-Semitism with a new name. I know, Mm. right? Okay. Jesus. Okay. The more widespread theory is that 5G weakens the immune system through radiation, thus making you more susceptible to COVID-19. Evidence has been offered in the form of United States maps, which allegedly show that the cities with 5G coverage have been most affected by COVID-19 outbreaks. Cities! Of course, this this ignores two realities. One, most of the areas in the U.S. with limited 5G coverage are major cities with denser populations more susceptible to an outbreak. And two, plenty of countries, namely Iran, don't have have any 5G capabilities yet have been hit the hardest by the virus. And finally, there are the conspiracy theorists who don't believe 5G is connected at all to COVID-19. In actuality, they say the media is covering this obviously false link solely as a distraction tactic. Mm. The media and government accomplices are trying to diminish and lump together the anti-5G folks who have otherwise legitimate gripes about 5G causing non-COVID-19 health issues. And that's my case. Dear God. <laughs> Basically, some fuckers out so there stupid. heard a conspiracy theory about 5G and China, which is actually pretty valid in that China wants to get people's data and personal information, which they do. That's nothing new, though. Yeah. Mm. And also, like, shady tactics to go about that. Also nothing new. Yeah, also yeah. not exclusive also to China. Also not all 5G is, is owned by China, like whatever. And they just merge these two things that have nothing to do with each other. Like the same people mm-hmm. that are spouting off all this bullshit on Facebook, let's yeah. be real, 
are sitting there on Wi-Fi, on yeah. 3G, 4G, and sometimes Facebook 5G is taking networks. more of your information than any 5G yeah. network. You're probably could take. communicating this bullshit via an unsecured wireless network. So, like, probably. check your facts. Unreal. I love it. <sighs> well, I love this it. could just be a whole new podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Idiots of the World podcast. I'm drunk. I'm sweaty. I'm pissed. Let's do special <laughs> thanks. Let's do it. <laughs> special thanks to Senator Kirsten Cinema. You're fucking amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, special thanks to our fan sponsor for this episode, Anna Ludlow. Again, check out deaconess.com and search for masks to find that directory for uh, organizations that need PPE. Yeah, I think that's so right cool that you can just like search your like local organizations that are looking for masks. You can literally sew them in your home like Amanda does and just drop them off safely or mail Very them cool. or whatever. It's yeah. awesome. Thank you also to Leslie. Nope, I don't have a joke for your name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have less than a joke. Um, thank you to Kristen Kukul, uh, Cuckold. Call me I Kukul, hope, but I love uh, you. Yep. Going Kukul over here. <laughs> Thank you to It's... So I'm drunk. It's Ayana Kantu. I Kantu mm. pronounce your name right, but I apologize. <laughs> it's I think a I stretch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's I can't. It's, I, it's a stretch. It's I am. I can't. And we're moving on. Thank you to Jessica <laughs> Smith. Uh... <laughs> Maybe you're a granny, which would make you a Granny Smith. Oh, you're crisp done. and fresh. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you to Alicia Reddy. Ready or not, here I come, said <laughs> coronavirus. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you to Heather Am I Hirsch. Wrong? <laughs> Amanda's last joke was pretty Hirsch. <laughs> <laughs> you Hirsch here first, folks. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle Webb. I will gladly participate in your conspiracy web because I'm sure you're smarter than any of those with 5G folks. Mm -hmm. Honestly, probably. Thank you to Julie Samora for giving us some more of that money you got back there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you to Haley Mellet. Um, Can you smell it? Can Haley Mellet? Can you smell it? <laughs> Can you? <laughs> That's the smell of more quarantine. Thank you to Audrey Snyder. No need to be snide. I truly don't have a better joke for your name, Audrey. <laughs> and I don't have a great joke for you either, Nikki Moore, other than the fact that I want more of what you got, Nikki. And that's support. Did you also sign a contract to sing a song in every fucking feature film that you perform in, just like Mandy Moore, even if they don't make any fucking sense? Because have you noticed that she sings a song in every fucking film she's in? Oh, and yeah. we just found Lucy's deep-rooted trigger. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, there are maybe too many jokes for Sarah Heilman. 
I, I am not gonna go there, man. Don't go there. Let's just say hi, hi. to every man, woman, and child. Yeah. Neither, neither, or both. Oh God! Yeah. Thank you to Millie Blount. <laughs> Quit Millie and a Blount. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Button your blount. I can't count how many blounts we've had in these recent episodes, so thank you, Millie. <laughs> I'm going to roll a fat blount when this is over. Thanks a million. <laughs> thank you to Annalise Calderon. I'm going to fill a cauldron all the way to the top with potions. Thank you to Jordan Chapman. You don't chap my ass, Jordan, sure with your don't. increase from $1 to $5 a month. We really appreciate it. And kicking off our $10 a month tier is Lauren Moskovitz. I must... Gonna give... sew some more mosques after this. Yes! Oh, <laughs> I must go sew some more mosques. And yes, correct. You're gonna get a fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail. As is Elizabeth Matthews. <sighs> Failed math. Gonna fail yep. thinking up a good joke for your name. <laughs> Gonna fail yous. Um, and thank you to Katrine Sand Sabo. Uh, I believe this gonna, person is from Norway. I'm gonna play in the sand, and there's nothing you can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, so Matilda stupid. Lane. Gonna let gonna, you uh, clean my kitchen via telekinesis later on, wow. Matilda. I appreciate it. Thanks in advance. Nice. Thank you, Rachel Stutzman. I want to audition to be your stut stutzman, <laughs> Rachel Stutzman. <laughs> please, please uh, don't hurt me. Thank you so much to <laughs> Kenneth R. Gower. Maybe goer. Mm. You're a goer getter. He's a Kenneth. goer, not a shower. <laughs> goer, not a shower. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, thank you, Stephanie Wells. My heart wells with pride and my <laughs> eyes wells with tears over your increase from 5 to $10 a month. As do mine eyes, Jessica Bedell. You mm. are the Bedell of the ball. <laughs> with your nice. increase from 2 to 5 bucks. Thank you so much. I want to sit on you and let you blast water up my ass. What the fuck? <laughs> like a bidet, Bedell. Jesus. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Let you blast water oh, up my ass. Let you blast a cold stream of water up uh, my hopefully ass. Hopefully you have a warming feature. I don't. No. Uh, kicking off our $15 a month tier is Michelle Mahalik. I'm choking back tears and might need the Mahimlik from Michelle Mahalik. Uh, Thank you Mahalavich. so much. <laughs> this is going off the rails Thank we're you. almost done Thank you to Katie Morris I'm assuming you are related to Keith Morris' son Who Zach I Morris. saw at CrimeCon And referred to as Who did I call Keith Morrison? Keith Richards Oh yeah I, Oh my god it's Keith Richards <laughs> Keith Richards <laughs> Kenyon was like That was mm, fucking amazing It's not Keith Richards Okay <sighs> Anyway. And thank you to Nicole Gunnerson. <laughs> I'm gonna bear you a son, Nicole. 
You're not, though, because... I'm not, though. Your ovaries are a <laughs> oh, burned-out Walmart inside they your body. They are absolutely <laughs> a blasted-out Walmart. Uh, I also got requested on the next one, so I'm just going to keep reading. <laughs> Kick it off. And the only one who's part of our $25 a month. I'm so sweaty, I'm you guys. Sorry. I can't stop thinking about my ovaries as a blasted Walmart. <laughs> Used to be so full of life and then <laughs> rolled hard and put away with. Oh. Okay. Give me $25 a month. This Amanda Dwyer who requests me, the other Amanda, and want to shout out their gateway gal, Amanda Swart. So many Amandas. Um, okay. Thank you. I'm going to throw my socks in the dryer when this is over no. so they're warm and clean. Why are you wearing socks? I'm not wearing oh, socks. Okay, I was just, that was the first thing that came to mind with the, just, just read the next one. Speaking just of read first it. things that came to mind when we were talking about your ovaries being a blown out Walmart, my first a thought was, out Walmart. my first thought was, well, there's still horrible overhead lighting in there. <laughs> <laughs> so many fluorescents. All right. Our one member on our $50 a month tier, which at this point will get you a free fucking patriarchy wine glass and a tote and an episode and or case yep. and or wine pick yep. Andrew Cahoon. I'm talking mm, to big the you, Andrew Cahoon. Mm. And our lovely once-off donators, if you, like all of my exes, are afraid of commitment, you can go to our uh, merch site, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com, and make a once-off donation to help support us at this unprecedented time. Uh, thank you to Catherine Tabor. I'm going to table this for now, well, we'll Catherine Tabor. table this Tabor, for now. There's a hug coming to you. Mm, I've always wanted a Tabor worm. Mm, no. Thank you to Anna Ganthy. I'm getting is we're almost done with special it's, thanks. It's not about lengthy. It's about girthy. Exactly. I don't know. Could be and Anna. finally, Haley Wilkinson. Uh, Haley's Comet was a thing. And then people <laughs> had a cult. And, and then science came done. along. And that's a beautiful <laughs> way to wrap up this episode. So Science. Thank you to all of our Patreon donors. Thank you to Senator Kirsten's Cinema. Mm, Cinema. Uh, wash your hands. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next week. Stay the fuck home. Mm, bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.